0: too tall, could've used a few pounds, tight pants, points, hollering renown. she was a black hat beauty with big dark eyes, and points all her own, sudden way up high, way up firm and high.
1: Good morning, good afternoon, cold or, cold afternoon or good evening. I am your commissioner, Max, and more importantly, three-time champion. I am joined here today uh, by the only two teams in our league that require an exclamation when you're talking about their team name. We've got Rumham, (laughs) and we've got Shalom, y'all. I'm here with Trevor and Ethan. Guys, how's it going?
2: Oh, man, it's going good. That's probably the best uh, intro I've ever had to anything in my life the guy that needs an exclamation point at the end of his
0: name.
3: So that's wonderful. (laughs) Yeah. That's the only thing my y'all's hoodie is missing is an exclamation point at the end.
1: Oh yeah. You guys can't see it. You guys saw the picture in the group text, I'm sure, but Ethan is rocking his y'all's hoodie, right? now.
3: Yeah. Appreciate the, uh, Appreciate the recommendation, Kevin Sutton. Appreciate it. Yeah, all what a love. beautiful find. I'm rarely at the forefront. And my buddy, so it's a suburb of Cincinnati. My buddy's from there. And he said they used to be called the Florence Freedom. It's an independent league team. But in that town, and again, this is uh, this is Kentucky, they have a big like water tower, and it says Florence Y'all. And so the team rebranded it as the Florence Y'alls, which beautiful. I just enjoyed yeah. that backstory. Just mm. awesome.
1: Well, Trevor, you're actually rocking a new team name right now. Marcus Stroman's do rag. Is that a temporary uh, ad for you? Yeah, I already
3: went back.
2: I okay. uh, I just okay. wanted I I was going to wait until you put out the rotisserie rankings because I wanted to see it in there. And uh, that was my uh, that was, came there. Uh, just a silly thing that um, obviously racism is not funny, but I thought that the comment was fine. And. So, I thought it was pretty funny that he got ousted for that. So, um, I thought I'd poke a little fun at it. And that was it.
1: Yeah. It seems like Bob Brenly's always on somebody's bad side.
2: Yeah. And maybe, just- maybe it had more to do with his past than thing, but like to that, it's Tom Seaver's do rag. I was like, well, the comment. I mean, it's a stupid attempt at humor, but like it's fine by me, <laughs> you know, it did whatever. So,
1: I don't think anybody bets an IF like. CC Sabathia is on the broadcast and says that, but I don't know. It's again, it's just a Bob Brenly thing. It's strike seven for him. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about last week. Um, I didn't fare so well. Uh, In fact, Every single matchup, aside from, of course, uh, Trevor and Brad's, which ended in catastrophe, every matchup where somebody was favored to win was higher in the standings. They ended up winning, um, except for mine. Andrew, who was in last place, absolutely destroyed my team on Sunday, um, taking a tied matchup to 10-4. to So kudos to him. Our big matchup of the week, uh, Matt ended up representing Sam Crawford well and knocking dead our dad, the Dukes. Um, but I think the biggest highlight of the week has got to be the stat correction from hell this morning. How are you feeling, Trevor?
2: Yeah, it's it's a bummer. You know, like I, I kind of almost felt that I got away with the week um, just because, I mean, maybe if you don't look at like really deep at what Brad's team did, and you, you would kind of just be like, oh, that's a good week. But he did it with 185 at-bats. Like, he hit 13 home runs, 36 runs. He had 55 hits, right? So, 55 hits, 36 runs. Like, <laughs> okay, um, edged me on doubles, hit 300, 34 ribbies. Like, these are, like, good weekly stats for 225 at-bats, right? So, he got 185 at-bats. And was able to put that offense together. And, and I kept like literally every night, I was like, oh, sweet. Uh Carson Kelly hit a home run. I'm I'm tied. And then and then McCutcheon hit two. And I'm like, oh my gosh. They had like nine home runs by Wednesday. So so yeah, At first I felt like, okay, eight seven, my team played well, but not great. But we escaped with the W. And then to wake up Monday morning and see a single and air turn to a double. It, it, it crushed my spirits a little bit, you know, especially cause it was Brad and I had talked shit and, and rightfully so still in my opinion, I won't back down on that. <laughs> um, and Chris Davis, dude, Chris Davis had two hits last week, two home runs and like, anyways, yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking for a bounce back this week. I, I'm hurting a little bit, but, uh, But like I said, kind of kudos to Brad also.
1: So They call him Three Ties Brad, you know, like he's tying is what he does between him and Victor. They're just the masters of the
0: tie.
3: Yeah, I was texting with Victor throughout the weekend because I was up four, five, six categories, most of the work week last week. And then all of a sudden my team just stopped hitting on the weekend. And Victor came right back and I was like, motherfucker, you're going to drag me into this tie (laughs) hell hole with you. Like, I don't want to be here. And we were tied for most of Sunday. And he was, all he needed was one stolen base in the Sunday night game. He was like, if I know anything about ties, Aaron judge is going to steal a base right here. I was like, I swear to God, if Aaron judge steals a base right here, I'm turning this off. Oh, ties are are the great, the great wild card too. Yeah, is there something we can do about that? I mean,
2: I like I know that obviously we need another category to or something for that. Even that,
3: but even then, you could tie each win eight categories. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true.
2: But I think that they would happen a lot less often, right? If because yeah, right now we have a perfect balance of categories, right?
3: I think we'd have less ties. I don't want to do this. I'm just speaking. I, yeah,
2: Cheers. and I'm not, I'm I not even we, saying I'm
3: 100% sure on it either. I'm just saying, yeah, like, totally ties are frustrating. <laughs> all but I think so. if we did a five by five, there would be less ties, like in basketball, where we don't have any categories like a triples or a steals that's kind of lower and people can often tie in. Like, we never had ties in basketball categories, almost ever, hardly. Right. But in, I think it's the nature of going eight by eight and going so deep stat wise on both. Which sides. we love. That's like not exactly about our league. Yeah. Exactly. You know, so I agree.
2: Yeah.
1: That's the thing. Eight by eight, and there's always categories like triples, wins, saves, holds, quality yeah, saves. Starts. Holds for sure. You get you get so many ties on, on those categories. Right. To yeah. Have you guys actually tie eight to eight last week? To me, that's the rarest kind of tie. You guys didn't match right, up in the single
2: category. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So I'm on tie watch this week. I'm facing Victor. Um, <laughs> I don't have a tie yet, but it's just it's in the air now. So It's
2: inevitable, dude.
1: We're gonna we're gonna have to find out. So let's talk about: Is it too early to call this a playoff race? You know, like we're we're nine weeks in. We're going into week ten. Um, it the the space between a playoff spot in Arthur Rhodes and last place in our entire league is one game. Like it's a difference of one game. Like uh, Sutton is one game behind Brad who at two, four and three is currently in the playoffs. Um, Victor is currently three games behind Huck, who is at five, three and one and is in the playoffs, but we've still got, you know, 12, 13 weeks left. So are, are, is anybody, is it, are we, am I panicking a little bit here? Is it too soon to predict or are we starting to kind of see the shape of things? Um, Ethan, I'll start with you.
3: I mean, I think, yeah, I don't think it's a, there's a playoff race yet. I think, I guess it's, I don't know what the, exactly the old adage is, but it's like, you can't win the game in the first quarter, but you can lose the game in the first quarter and no one is really, lost at their playoff spot to this point. But I don't think even the best teams... I mean, yes, Matt looks real good to make the playoffs and he looks real good to compete in those playoffs. But, like, it's not... You know, on the playoff bubbles is where my brain goes when I hear playoff race. Yeah, it's all way too early. And especially in, like you said, in Arthur Rhodes, the difference between fourth and eighth place is one game. So the entire division is within one game. I think only... I think only Victor's more than a game and a half out of the four seed in his or more than two games out of the four seed in his division. So, um, you know, with double digit weeks left two two match, you know, two games is realistic to make up for anybody. And we haven't even all played one another yet. So we have schedule imbalance um, at this point. So, yeah, I mean, it's I think I think What like three weeks before the trade deadline is when we'll start to see more. And I don't know if the bubble will be any clearer, but I do think that that's when people will start kind of making decisions on their future for that this season and next season on the trade market, buy sell wise.
1: You're talking like right after the all star break. That's where, yeah, like
3: back half of July.
1: Okay. Trevor, what about you? Are you, do you think, uh, you think I'm reading too much into the standings right now?
2: First of all, don't think that I miss the Dave Matthews. The space between. <laughs> oh, I <laughs> okay. did miss that, and I'm smoking
3: weed as uh, we record this, so that's poor by me. It took yeah. everything. I it know. took everything I had. <laughs> Not really, well, you know, <laughs> too, I will, I wanted to interject
2: out. to just start playing the song. Uh, I know that Max never misses a chance to reference a Dave Matthews. Band, <laughs> but, um, but you know. If, uh, For some teams, I kind of think it is like it is time. I mean, so maybe I'm thinking like, maybe it's more like, is it time to panic? Question versus is it time to start thinking about the playoff race or whatever? Because I think, I think Ethan nailed it like the the bubble teams are kind of like, no, it's not like we're not thinking about the playoff. Like, I'm not worried if I drop to like fifth or something in week 12, you know uh 5th in the division sorry in week 12 you know having 5 wins already <clears throat> like if i lose and i'm 5 drop then i still feel okay i'm not bubbled you know conscious or like but like to be 1 5 and 3 um so like a panic mode about the playoffs uh yeah i i'm there for for a couple teams um and it also depends on like if you take yourself outside of that is your roster and you can look objectively at your team and you are one, five and three, and you go like, maybe I don't have the guys and I'm, I'm, it's time to panic there. Like, I think you can look at your team objectively and be like, yes, I'm two, six and one. Like, I don't know that these guys, they haven't done it yet and they probably aren't going to do it. Right. Like, so well, in let that me ask sense, you this. I would be, yes.
3: Let me ask you this because I, everyone knows my opinion on divisions, but like, um, do you, how m- much of a different context do you find between the divisions? Because Victor is 1 5 and 3 in the wrong division, and Sutton is 2 6 and 1 in the right division. Sutton in 16th place, like Max said to open this segment, is one game out of the playoffs. So, yeah, you can look objectively at your team and be like, Okay, no one, no one's goal is two six and one. But right. also, if you think like I haven't peaked yet and I'm one game out of a playoff spot, like, do you still take a like a maybe like on the trade market a seller's mentality? I, I mean,
2: that just like you said, it depends on. I think that just depends on the the roster makeup. I mean, if you you know, I don't if you have. Uh oh, quality MAs that aren't. <laughs> but like, if you have more of the Francos and the Kelniks that are supposedly sure things, like yeah, then maybe you do. It, depending, no matter what uh, division you're in, because like, I, like I said, I th- a couple podcasts ago, I think they're going to even out a little bit. But but the and I said, but the top guys and the bottom guys are going to be. Um, there's going to be a bigger between those two. You know, like I think the middle will be there'll be a lot of guys in the mix in a couple weeks but the bottom's going to be the bottom and the top's going to be the top it's always been that way even before divisions people like right. matt's team start to they just you win it's just like regular baseball you you bite off three in a row and then you lose one because you got because you, you've been hot for and the, then he's gonna bite off two in a row and win you know what i mean and the same goes for losing like so I I think that the bottom and the top will separate. So yeah, I think I think at the bottom, no matter what division, depending on what your roster makeup is, I think I'd be time to panic for me.
1: I'm less panicked about like if I'm using Victor as an example because I think he's he's the best example we have. I don't yeah. think anybody in Arthur Rhodes is out of it. If the right teams win and the right teams lose this week, the standings flip. Um, at least as far as that fourth playoff spot goes, uh, like Brad is currently in a playoff spot and it, it has no wins against his own division. He's o four and one against Arthur Rhodes and he's fourth in Arthur Rhodes. So, like that's nonsense. You know what I mean? Matt yeah. is seven and two, but he's four and zero against Arthur Rhodes. Against Sam Crawford, he's only three and two. Trevor's the same way, five two and two, but Trevor has not lost to Arthur Rhodes. He's 3-0-1 against them. So these division uh, matchups are going to play out, and I think these standings are going to start to even out a little bit. That being said, Victor's kind of in a bad spot because he is three games behind already. I don't think his team is bad enough to be in the spot they're in. I mean, I look at Roto rankings, and it's like Adam's caught some luck. Victor, if you look at his schedule, he has – Faced three teams that realistically he should beat, and he tied all of them. You know what I mean. And he's faced five teams that I think are are playoff caliber, going to win teams, and he lost to all those teams. So he needs to start punching above his weight class and not tying anymore. And he's he's got some easier matchups ahead. Um, yes,
3: but I will say also. To and this isn't trevor's exact point but kind of inspired by at least trevor's point he has already some very good late keepers like obviously aaron judge um jazz chisholm does you know to quote the great andrew waller doesn't date he fucks and like so victor he shouldn't do this in my opinion in in week 10 but even as early as yeah like week 12 or 13 if victor wants to kind of look to next year and really stack up keepers, then he could be like, he could have a power keeper set up, um, for our draft next spring. If he is kind of the first team to be like, yeah, I'm looking to be a seller on the market and restructure based. That's where I'm at with it. If you, if you feel like, and like I said, if you look at your
2: roster and again, I don't want to. I agree. I don't want to pick on Victor because he does have really good pieces and stuff. But but if you if you take yourself outside of the emotion of your team and you're like, is John Gantt, Ryan Yarbrough, Patrick Sandoval, are these guys that are going to be the ones that help you go on a four game win streak in our league? And again, whether it's division or not, I don't think those are like those are, you know, so if you if you kind of just go. Not all at once, but one, you know, week at a time that you feel like if he takes another tough loss this week, and then he says, you know, Montgomery's up for grabs for, you know, and, and that's the point where that's where you got to start taking shots at these NA guys because Jordan Montgomery is not going to get you top notch, but, but you, you know, you right. get like but the. Markana- yeah, yes, I mean,
3: yeah, yeah. He's been getting, uh, he's been getting brought up in the group text. Guys like that. Yeah, uh, yeah You can for start sure. packaging guys together.
2: Yes, for sure. And and but like I said, even Jordan Montgomery could get you. Sure. Again, maybe not a top tier prospect, but maybe somebody that's in the league that's not hitting great, that's keepable. And so, like Biggio or something, you know, like if you go get Biggio, yeah. who's on the IL, he's not hitting well, um, but he's still only what twenty three or something for like Desclafani or like that's a, that's a good trade and and you know you can keep him and and see if it pans out but is not gonna win you anything this year and he's that's not right. keepable so you know that's that's just where I'm at with that
1: there is value to being the first person that goes you know what I'm out of it I'm chasing keepers but I also just think week 10s way too early i like
2: Oh, I agree. I agree, but that's why yeah, I said we, if if you can look at the makeup of your team, and and maybe do one at a time, and maybe you trade fine for Biggio, and Biggio comes back tomorrow and plays like he thought we should, and then I'll kind of like what John did a couple of years ago when he won, like he's like he stated the other day, he started selling these pieces to kind of build for the future, and then was like, I'm on a two game win streak, holy shit, you know, like. That stuff happens.
1: Yeah, and just flipped it completely. I think every every team in the league right now is one solid win. Like, no matter where they are in the standings right now, a, a big win changes their playoff outlook significantly with how close everything is, especially if you're in Arthur Rhodes. Like, nobody in Arthur Rhodes is out of it right now. I do think that Adam and Victor are in the toughest spots given the way the, the standings are shaping up. Um, but there's going to be some regression from some of these teams and Sam Crawford. Like it, it's gonna happen. I just lost to Andrew. Um, like more of those are coming. You know, Brad, or Trevor just tied Brad. Uh, it's sad sad days are coming for some of us sitting at the top over, or not even me sitting at the top and Sam Crawford anymore, but the four teams yeah. currently sitting up high in Sam Crawford so inside. I do think, uh, I think we've got some time this season. Um, For sure. do you guys have any predictions, just like any bold predictions, given the way things look right now in each division of here's a team that it doesn't look like they're going to make the playoffs. And I think they end up there.
3: I mean, you know, there's going to be an obvious bias, I think assumed from listeners, because like it's known Max Andrew and I in Dallas hang out pretty regularly and, but we were, I mean, we went out for drinks last Thursday and I was saying to Andrew, like, I imagine you're pretty frustrated. This was before he really surged ahead of Max. Uh, I was like, imagine you're pretty frustrated. Like, this. how I feel like I've spent my whole life in MVD is just like how I imagine you feel right now. And Max was like, well, it's just fucked up because all the players that suck for Andrew right now are all his best players, which I just thought was actually like, oh, wow, that's actually a great point. Like Mookie's not playing that great. Arenado had not been playing that great. Arenado just had a huge weekend. Andrew surges past Max, who was previously a top four team in Sam Crawford. So based on that kind of that logic, like if we, if Mookie gets back to being Mookie and, and Arenado gets back to being Arenado, like Andrew still has the pieces and he's also in the right division to make some noise. So he, I would say he's definitely. You know, at, at through nine weeks, the team that's not currently in a playoff spot that I think would be most likely to take a playoff spot. I don't know if that's exactly what you're asking,
1: but uh, that is exactly what I'm asking, and I think I agree with you. Um, I think that's who I would pick in Arthur Rhodes too, because like everybody else, I just don't believe in Brett. Um, I don't think John's current roster makeup is going to allow him to win i mean we see how he, he sank like a stone in the roto rankings like he's yeah, just hope. he just can't get the counting stats because he can't use all of his roster spots because but, half his roster plays for durham right at some point <laughs> this season he'll be able to use more roster spots and those guys will get called up but they're going to be rookies and maybe they struggle at first maybe they're hot who knows but I, I think the the process he's going through right now is not good um and i also so tony i think is the other contender for that fourth spot in Arthur yeah, Rhodes. To,
3: to look like old school tony again which is scary
1: i just the i think tony's problem and i think it's been his problem for years it's part of his strategy is he goes in every week having lost two categories he has mm-hmm. already he has zero holds, zero saves this year um uh, and i don't think you can do that anymore Like his pitching is not dominant enough to do that. And his hitting isn't as dominant as they used to be. He can't just rely on, listen, I'm going to win nine categories this week. I don't need these. I just need to get these pitching counting stats like K's and wins and all these starts.
3: And bullpen usage are is becoming more varied by teams. Like you can find not like regular, you know, stall war tapes, but you can find kind of hybrid saves holds guys, or just general late inning guys on waivers all the time. Like you don't have to make a huge investment to get just some kind, you know, of those guys with your streaming spots. So it really, in that context, it hurts to punt those categories because now it's like no one else will have zero
1: right right Absolutely. yeah
2: i i agree with that with tony um like i that's I, one of those things at the bare minimum like for somebody that fits his team go get somebody that um like just really contributes to uh those other categories and like um you know the strikeouts and the era and is kind of like an innings eater and then like gets the occasional hold like at least you're you're contributing to your ERA and whip, which is what he's going for and strikeouts, which is what he's going for anyways. And then you get, you can get one or two holds in a week. And like I said, win or tie that you never know, even for somebody that has two eighth inning guys, you know, just like, was the Cardinals just lost like seven in a row. And before they had a great eighth inning guy, you know? So like what, who Victor just dropped Cabrera Genesis Cabrera would be like perfect for for Tony's team, because he's like, it's kind of their one to two inning guy, seventh to eighth bridge. Sometimes he bridges the sixth to the seventh or whatever. And he has a great ERA, great whip, strikes people out, doesn't walk a ton. So that's like, and like, well, occasionally we'll get a hold out of that. So, um, but I'm going to take this question the other way. Um, and you guys have people jumping in. I'm going to take somebody jumping out. Jumping um, out. Jumping out. I'm going with the Houston Tiger. I don't think he makes the playoffs.
1: Wow, Arthur is current leader. leader.
2: Yes, I'm taking. You said you wanted a bold prediction, bold. baby. Here we
1: go. Explain yeah, what's I mean, going on.
2: I I just like said, you know, you talk about regression, and and I know he just got Key Brian back, but man, when you when you look at his roster, I think I haven't looked at his matchups, but I would say that he's had favorable ones just by looking at his roster. Um. It's not bad. I don't. I don't mean that it's bad, but I think he's gonna have, like, as some of these games and matchups even out. Like you said, I just could see him. You know, Ronald Acuna goes out for a week, or, or just has a bad week, which he's prone to do every once in a while, and I think he's in trouble. So, that's just my bold prediction.
1: So, to your point, um, right now, Chris has using roto scoring the second best pitching in the league he's got good bullpen he's got good era he gets good counting stats with the starters but but he's a bottom half offensive team with ronald acuna
2: and and the thing about the pitching is do we remember how he he had these giants i remember he's had these giants from the beginning do you remember the start that those relievers had for the San Francisco Giants. Oh yeah. I think Jake McGee had 10 saves in like 14 games. <laughs> right. So that's one of those things that Roto, you know, you can't always rely on it because he he's got, you know, all this big bulk of, of holds from Tyler Rogers and saves and saves from Jake McGee that are throwing off those numbers. If you looked in the past couple of weeks, say that they're probably not as high on the saves and holds and, also, Tyler Rogers can't throw hundred and fifty innings. <laughs> like he can't. There's just no way, you know. So well, he
1: shouldn't. He shouldn't he can't. Year.
3: There's no it's, it's no way. I think we know Sutton wants him to. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, he's a
3: reliever. That's the problem. The
2: <laughs> oh, totally you're throwing
1: every Tyler. Night. You're talking Trevor Rogers.
2: No, Tyler Rogers. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, you know, Ty, I'm talking about Tyler Rogers. Like he how many, how many innings has he had pitched already? Uh, let's see. I have no idea. He's
1: Cutting out? Nope. Uh, you can't hear me? Yeah, you're back.
2: Okay. So, for a 32- or 33-year-old submarine pitcher, uh, 30 innings is a lot already. Yeah. So, Yeah, that's, that's fair. just –
1: and we've looked in the past, the most, uh, like the the number one telling thing for success in Roto rankings. First of all, just overarching high scores are good, but those dominant offensive scores are a little bit more consistent than the pitching because a lot of starting pitchers can get blown up in one week. A lot of relievers can blow two saves in a week, things like that. Whereas at bats, usually hitters are getting a much larger sample size. Um, and so the fact that Chris is sitting in the bottom half with the elite players he has. I think it does make him vulnerable. That being said, I think his team's pretty good. And oh yeah, it's good. I just bold prediction, baby. I would, I, I I would say that's bold, um, but not outside the realm of possibility at all. So let's move on to our waiver wire all stars. Um, For those of you that are not familiar. Wave Wire All Stars is where each one of us picks one hitter or pitcher that's currently unrostered that we think should be rostered, and we defend why. For instance, my Wave Wire All Star from last week, Harold Castro, who's eligible at every position but catcher, was not picked up last week, and you know that's fine. I, I don't think, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I think he went uh, one for ten h- hitting wise, so. Good job, I guess, everybody, for not listening to me. This week, though, and I'm gonna lead us off as I always do to make sure nobody else picks my guy. This week, I think I've got the right Harold. Um, I've got a Harold in mind who is in line for some at bats due to a team having some serious injury problems, and he's batting fourth every day, and he is crushing the ball. I'm talking about Harold Ramirez for the Indians. He's currently eligible at left field, center field, and right field. For the year, he's batting 278, which I think it started slower. And then lately, he has really picked up pace. Like the other day, he went uh, three for five against Baltimore with three runs and a homer. Um, Harold Ramirez, like the closest player I can compare him to is Yandy Diaz. Um, And he wasn't this way as much with when he was with Miami, he's really changed significantly since joining Cleveland in that he's hitting the ball really, really hard. He he doesn't really take walks, but he also doesn't strike out. He's a high contact guy and just mashes the ball and would probably be in the double digit homers right now if A, he had enough at bats and B, if he just had the launch angle. He hits too many line drives and too many hard ground balls. But so far this year, in 85 hits, he has average exit velocities 94 miles an hour, which is absurd for a player available on waivers. For Just for context, Ronald Acuna's average exit velocity, 94.3. So that's, I mean, that's what we're looking at here. And that's not just, oh, he hits a bunch of 94 mile an hour um, hits his maximum the hardest he's hit a ball this year is 114 and a half which is if if he hits it in the air that's a 430 foot homer um like i said launch angle it's at a 3.3 degrees for reference a good like home run hitters launch angle or guy that hits line drives and homers probably in the teens you want it like 13 to 19 ish um so harold ramirez i think is going to be a high batting average guy. He's going to get a lot of runs, even though that Cleveland offense is a little suspect. And the opportunity's there. Like, I, I they've got uh, Franny Hurt. They have other injuries in the outfield. And he's playing great. He's delivering for them in the middle of that lineup. And eligible at all three positions, I he should be rostered. Um, I think he would get a couple steals if you are in need of anything offensive in your outfield, Harold Ramirez is your guy. Uh, Trevor, what do you think about Harold Ramirez?
2: Um, I like Harold Ramirez. Um, I've definitely, um, you know, kept an eye on him all season um, because he's always been a contact first kind of guy. And a lot of times, you know, those, can fill out a roster, you know, if you got a bunch of Giancarlo Stanton's and stuff like that. So that's somebody that I, you know, always like to look at. And you, and you nailed it with the barrels stuff. He, like that's something I don't think he's ever done in the past. Um, I don't remember him um, being on the tops of like barrel or hard hit percentage leaderboards. Um, Not, so at, that that. Not yeah, at that level. Yeah, that level at all. And, and you know, that's like that's one thing that I love to look at um that's kind of how I pick my guys so um so yeah to see him towards the top of the list is always um interesting that's you know why I picked up Polanco last week um I, I wanted to keep him but just had some I was trying to get stolen bases last week um so I had to pick up Robles Robles whatever um so yeah Harold Ramirez is, is a guy um I like him a lot
1: all right who is your guy
2: my guy you know um kind of talking about this earlier when you when you look at your roster um i think most teams in our league um are at a point now where where they've got um kind of everyday guys or or maybe there's a waiver wire or two waiver wire people on their team but they still kind of they so i thought that maybe having somebody that isn't a play everyday guy um you know, can go a lot where you can plug him in on matchups and stuff like that, but he's like maybe your one bench guy or whatever. Um, and that's, um, Akil Badu, Akil Badu, Akil Badu, Akil Badu. Um, you know, Don't Chuck mind had mind of Badu. Yeah. Whereas Akil Badu at who they say they're going to beat Lil Wayne. You remember that one? <laughs> um, yeah, Chuck had him at the beginning of the season when he was just got off to that you know, absolutely hot start. Um, he started, and of course we all saw the regression coming as he K's way too much and all this stuff, um, which is gonna, you know, lead me to his numbers here. So I, I went to his Statcast page, which like I just said, I love to look at, and it's the most interesting page. It, he's either the bottom of like literally one. I'm reading. He's the first percentile, third percentile, third percentile, fourth percentile. So either super blue, which is bad, or very red. Like he's got 88th percentile, 95th percentile, 75th percentile. So I was like, "What's going on here?" He's like got really good things that he's doing, and then really bad things. So I went to look at his splits and he's left-handed. So you guessed it he's just really bad at hitting left-handed pitching <laughs> so i if you break down his splits versus righties dude he for the season he is hitting 266 with um five of his actually all five of his home runs Yep, all five of his home runs are against righties um four triples literally every stat he has is against a righty except the batting average right which is 266. So on the good side of where you want to be. Um, So, man, if if you have a a spot on your team to where you can look at the matchups for the week and the Tigers go and play, um, who doesn't the Phillies don't have a left handed pitcher in their in their uh, rotation. So not that he's going to play the field, but just like if you look at the breakdowns of who they play. I mean, like he's gonna, he plays it either one or two in the lineup when they play righties. So that's like somebody I would just keep on my roster and uh, plug him in for some stolen bases, a little power. He's gonna get those triples at Huck Loves. Um, so, yeah, if you got the spot, man, Akil Badu is, is nice if you can plug and play in the right spots.
1: His His page is very strange. It's very weird. I had That's to look what, at it recently. <laughs> it's like he's, crazy. he's taking walks. He's striking out 36%. Of the Not time only rate. is
2: he taking walks at like one of the best in the league. Yeah. So probably. he's the worst striker outer in the league and the best walker in the <laughs> league. It's like crazy.
1: He's either the worst or the best striker outer, depending on how you want to look at it. Yeah. He also... His average exit velocity is low, but his max exit velocity is huge. And he's got a launch angle that you like. So it's like, okay, he's swinging as hard as he possibly can. And when he hits it, it has a real good shot of going out.
2: And the max exit velocity also is another thing that shows us, um, um, like, his potential. And, you know, for a 22-year-old, they, they we look at max exit velo a lot for, like, how what how high is the bar for him you know like uh the average exit velocity matters a lot but a lot of that's skewed because he strikes out a ton and and probably hits a lot of pot flies that are not hard hit um but the max exit is always something where they look at and they're like what what could he possibly be because if you if your max exit velocity is 90 league average eh, it's not going to be great for you know home run potential or stuff
3: like that so
1: Ethan, what do you think about Akil Badu?
3: I oh shit! I'll have to pull up his page. I have all the pages pulled up for my guy. Um, well, it just it was
1: Trevor's sales pitch. No, uh, I mean
3: you make a very tempting sales pitch. You guys both make his his uh, what's it called a ass page sound like mythic um i mean he's a he's an extremely exciting player i think to trevor's point like if you can afford to kind of or if you are preferential to having an extra offensive guy he's somebody that's gonna have a lot of flexibility in that on days with good matchups i mean every team has a fifth starter somewhere like on days of good matchups he can be very tempting um but i don't know i mean now that he's not keepable anymore i've stopped kind of paying attention to him. I just haven't had a need in that area, but he does. You're right. He's, he's, he's a very interesting player. I'm I'm looking at this stack as as I'm talking.
1: He would be a much (laughs) more interesting keeper um, for sure. And I think in next year's draft, it'll be interesting. I I bet you how he finishes the year, like his, his August through September is going to, be what determines whether he's a top 10 round pick or a late teens stab. Right but I, based off what we're seeing, I, I expect him to be drafted regardless next year.
3: Yeah, I think so. So um, who's your guy? My guy, so my guy is a catcher, which is something I've never really had to look into before um, because your boys got JT Realmuto, Muto. Well, he was on the IL a couple weeks ago. And so I picked this dude up from Pittsburgh that I'd never heard of before named Jacob Stallings. He's played in like five different seasons, but also to this day, he's only played 180 games in his career. He's older than we are. Like he's, uh, he's just like a journeyman for, you know, quadruple a catcher. But this year he is having a really nice year. That seems like, you know, he's no catcher of the future, but he's going to be there, there, every day catcher, except probably day games after night games for the rest of this season. Cause they are 110 lost team. And he has been, you know, he's got a BABIP of 295. He's hitting 243, which is about what he hits for his career. He's hitting with the, he's got a BABIP of 295. So he's probably going to sustain that. He's on pace to have over 30 doubles over 70 RBIs right now, including catchers that are rostered. He is tied for the third most doubles of all catchers in major league baseball and he is tied for the fourth most RBIs of all catchers in major league baseball. Okay. Sal Perez is the only player higher than him in both of those categories. Um he's also got an exit velocity in the mid 8 you know like 87 in change so he's not murdering the ball he's not going to be a uh Yasmani Grandal type of three true outcome guy. Um you know, you know, he'll have some metrics that are better than Grandall, but Grandall's is probably more worth rostering. But there are plenty of catchers that I think are being rostered right now that you could get a steadier batting average in five starts a week. And again, somebody who's going to hit 30 to 35 doubles, 70 to 80 runs batted in, be somebody you can count on to hold his, you know, he is a placeholder. You can count on him to hold that place for all of this season so i just these teams that stream catchers are kind of are just are just you know play the hot hand with catchers i certainly think that he is a hot hand right now worth rostering but i don't think anybody else has streamed him since i dropped him when jtr came off the injured list
1: i can tell you i've never looked at jacob stallings and fantasy this season or any season prior Um, yeah
3: no I mean yeah he's including I know last year was the short year but even going back to 2017 he's appeared in like five seasons and he had only played in like in like a hundred games right he's just like a a 4a catcher
1: he's a complete unknown and you're right there are a lot of people that could use catcher help most interesting thing that jumps out to me about Jacob Stallings and this says more about the Pirates than anything else it seems like most of the time he bats fourth behind Brian Reynolds
0: mm-hmm. in that lineup.
1: That's where those RBIs are coming from. That's insane. That's insane that there's a catcher who can hit fourth on somebody's on a major league roster that isn't currently rostered in our league right now.
2: Oh, well, we named two of them tonight.
1: <clears throat> that's uh, it's, that's More
2: yeah.
3: Like the other one's like catcher, but he's hitting fourth and
1: no, that. but yeah, it's a, in yeah. that
3: same principle, yeah.
2: Yeah. right?
1: Right, I I mean, especially with all these people rostering two catchers, Zanino was <laughs> dropped. Um, but like, if you're going to roster two catchers, make Jacob Stallings one of them. That just makes sense. Uh, that's so funny. Uh, all right, well, we'll see how those guys pan out. We'll see who picks those guys up. For the most part, waiver wire all stars are getting picked up. So, I yeah, I probably- want to
2: say that all of mine have been picked up uh, except for Odorizzi. That was a rough one. So.
1: I <laughs> don't yeah. get you. Hey, I called it with Tarek Scuball. To me, that is the that's the that is the pick, the waiver arrow star of the year for me so far. Um, Jonathan Scope, duh. Jonathan Scope. Well, I mean, Ooh. I'm talking about my own, you know. <laughs> I'm staking my flag in it. Uh so we're gonna move on to the matchups, and this week we're adding a little something extra to the matchups. You know, we we talked earlier about how early it is in the season and whether or not we have enough sample size to start panicking about playoff position and things along those lines. So for each matchup this week, um, I dug in and I found a hitter and a pitcher uh, on each team that maybe you wouldn't expect to be putting up the numbers that they're doing right now. And um, I I projected what they're going to finish with. So on average uh not every team has played the same amount of games but on average across the league uh we've played about 38 of the season so i tried to find guys that haven't had extensive uh outings like like they're they haven't spent more than 10 days on the dl um il sorry the dl's my team so uh, unsensitive i know right okay <laughs> was I thinking so I try to find guys that haven't spent a lot of times on the injured list I try to find guys that play every day or in a starting rotation or things along those lines and for each matchup we have a mystery hitter and a mystery pitcher and after we predict winners and losers for each matchup I will tell you the stat line for a mystery hitter and a mystery pitcher and Ethan and Trevor you guys are going to be able to guess um, based off of The rosters we just looked at, each team will have one. Uh, You'll be able to guess who I'm talking about, and hopefully it'll be fun. Hopefully it won't absolutely suck. Let's find out. (laughs) Um, Our first matchup is one of two interdivision matchups this week. We're getting a lot more into division schedules right now. So our first matchup is Camacho Chase, who's 6-3, and Uh, currently sitting near the top of the proud Sam Crawford division going up against Paul Goldschmidt's gay, Tony, who despite a good Roto ranking uh, is only three and six to start the season. Trevor, who do you have in this matchup?
2: I'm going to pick Tony. Um, I haven't looked at a, the matchups a great deal today. So this is kind of like as Max was doing our intro here, I kind of was looking at it. Um, I I just kind of like what we talked about is when the playoff chase is like, Tony's got a solid team. Um, You know, I think with the way that um, I think this is the person that maybe his strategy works out well against um, with the pitching. Yeah. Because Chase isn't running out great starting pitching. Um, So, yeah, if he punts, holds, and saves, it's fine when you're, you know, he's just going to face Uvalde and Framber Valdez, and we'll see how Jackson pitches tonight. Um, so, yeah, I, I like, you know, the, he's just going to overwhelm him with pitching. And then his hitting's, you know, like these guys are coming alive a little bit, kind of what we talked about. Um, you know, I, I think that there's better people on the waiver wire than Michael A. Taylor, even though I tried to catch that lightning in a bottle. Uh, at the beginning of the season. Maybe he's doing it for some stolen base upside or something. Maybe he sees that need with VR being out or something like that. Or maybe he just wanted that to bats tonight. Um <clears throat> anyways, yeah, I like I like Tony's team tonight uh or this week. Um I think he gets him um with the pitching mainly and then I think his hitting will will be up to par. And Patrick Wisdom dude just I mean kudos to oh, you for put, for putting it in the bid to pick him up. Because I mean you just write it out. I, I I bet he's not on your roster in two weeks. But but write it out while you can, man. The guy's going nuts. So so yeah, but I like Tony here.
3: Ethan,
1: who do you have in this matchup?
3: Uh Pride tells me that as the lone AR member in in tonight's podcast crew, I should take Tony, but I think uh i'm gonna take chase on this chase having a heater of a year in, in fantasy sports he went deep in the playoffs in our fantasy basketball league you know he's um he's in second place in the in the good division so kudos to him i'm really picking him this week more so because one i but we i don't we don't need to run it into the ground but i He gives up two categories to chase Tony does to start the week. So that kind of hurts Two, I think JD Martinez is about to go on the IL. That really sucks. Feels like if Tony could just have a little bit of time with Rendon healthy and JD Martinez healthy at the same time that he would, his offense would really be clapping. Um, You know, JD Martinez is absolutely a top 10 hitter fantasy wise so far this season. So um, that sucks. Um, and Chase is, again, he's, you know, like, uh, Trevor just said, ride it with Patrick Winston while, um, while the wave is in high tide. And, um, so I think all of this just times out to where he's going to get Tony this week. I still think Tony is only starting to peak and the Roto rankings obviously bear out that he's been incredibly unlucky relative to the numbers his team's put up so far this year.
1: So you're saying Tony has only begun to peak.
3: I do, but I think this after – I don't know if it's two straight wins or all three wins in a row. I think he's – it'll be a step back this week playing Chase, who's um, whose team's playing very well right now, and Tony's, I think, not going to have his best player all week.
1: Okay. Um, I am going to do something that I, I rarely do in any podcast, and I'm going to emphatically pick Chase. Um, I, I, I pick against him again. With no ill will at all, uh, but I picked against him a lot in the basketball league, and I picked against him a lot in this podcast. Uh, but his team is just hitting the crap out of the ball. Like I know you, I know what you guys are saying about his pitching. He is guaranteed two categories this week um, because he's got right. he's got the relief pitching to to make that happen happen. Right. I don't hate Taiwan Walker. I love Framber Valdez. I like Yufaldi. Uh, you know and then he's making moves this year he's making more moves this year than he ever has in fantasy baseball and between that and like Trevor said Patrick Wisdom and Cedric freaking Mullins yeah. is just, uh, just an absurd stat line waiting to happen I swear over the past couple of weeks those two have been uh, two of the best players in fantasy baseball Patrick Wisdom Is I mean, his average exit velocity is 98.5. That's small sample size. Patrick Wisdom will finish the year batting 220 or 230 because he strikes out too much, but he might hit 20-some-odd homers for the Cubs. Um, He was a a power phenom for the Rangers uh, in the minors last year, or not in last year, in 2019. And I'm actually really shocked they let him get away given, you know, the type of players that they usually roster with Ronald Guzman, Joey Gallo, people like that, but he's just knocking the cover off the ball right now. Uh, So yeah, like Trevor, I I don't think that's going to last. I, I, it's still just super fun to see. I do think Cedric Mullins, he's not a lightning in the bottle. He's really good. So pair that with Jordan and Walsh and Yuli and everybody else who's just hitting much better than they usually would this year. I chase is on a tear. He's, he is headed straight for the playoffs. And I've, I've said it before. Tony's team isn't as exciting as they were in years past. He's got some guys that are hitting a lot better than they have before. Uh, David Fletcher is not one of them. Usually David Fletcher is like one of my favorite fantasy players because of the insane contact he is seems like he's a, a, just a 300 plus batting average waiting to happen. But, I mean, as much as I love Kershaw, Ryu, Rodon, and Dylan Cease, I don't think those guys are, you know, at a DeGrom, at, at a crazy ace level. And I know Kershaw and Ryu, but they, they should be. But they are – I wouldn't count either one of them as top 10 fantasy starting pitchers this year. So I don't think he has enough. And like I said, I think the strategy kind of puts him – I mean, he's starting off behind every single week and against a team like Chase's you can't take a risk on any of those I think Chase is going to win a lot more games than he loses this season and if you give him any kind of lead he's going to take that and run Um, so that is my choice now let's talk about a mystery hitter and a mystery pitcher for each team on our podcast outline Ethan and Andrew are able to or uh, Ethan and Trevor, not Andrew, are able to see these stat lines, um, but I'll go ahead and read them out for you. We'll start with our mystery hitter. Again, I took their existing stats and just extrapolated it out as if 38% of the season is complete and they're going to keep doing what they're doing for the rest of the year. So the mystery hitter is on pace for 74 runs, 37 doubles, 32 homers, 103 RBIs and he's currently got a 354 weighted on base average. Now I would put average or OPS here, but that easily gives the answer to Ethan and Trevor. Um, so I'm putting the weighted on base average there just as a like a, a contextual thing. Um Trevor, can you pick out who this mystery hitter is? Um
3: yeah, Mitch
1: Haniger. Mitch Hanager is your guess. Ethan, do you have a guess?
3: Yes, I I think. God, I have a couple different guys, but I think the pitcher is a guy on Chase's team. We're going hitter. I know. I'm saying I think the pitcher is a guy on Chase's team. That's why that was a narrowing factor to pick a hitter from Tony's
1: team. Give me Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant is your pick. Okay, for the mystery pitcher, uh, 174 innings pitched, on pace. Uh, on pace to be 18 and five with only 37 walks. This guy is not walking people this year. On top of that, he is striking people out. He's on pace for 171 strikeouts, 11 quality starts with a 239 FIP. Ethan, who's that pitcher?
3: I think it's Framber.
1: You think it's Framber? Trevor, who's that pitcher?
2: The innings tell me it's not Framber. Um, but I picked Hannah. So, damn, is I guess it's it's got to be Ivaldi.
1: So the hitter, believe it or not, is Randall Grichik.
2: Damn. Ah, uh, that was my second guess.
1: Randall Grichik is having himself a year right now. Um, he homered multiple times against the Astros uh, in the series that they just had. He is batting 282 with an 830 OPS and 12 dongers. Mm-hmm. Usually he's like a 230, 240 hitter. So he's having a hell of a year. The Dang. pitcher, Trevor Nailed, it's Nathan Yavaldi. Nice dude. Nathan Yavaldi, and I had to list his uh his FIP because yeah. he has a 378 ERA. But even though that's that's solid and with seven wins, I mean that he's doing great. His FIP tells a different story. So like the other even, thing
2: I thought too, is he's like a strikeout per inning guy. Right. And so that's what I was like. All right, you got four right. innings, 171.
1: He's right there with it. He's not walking anybody. And a, like the advanced metrics with his left on base percentage and BABIP is, is telling us that he should actually have a much better ERA than three, seven, eight. So I um, hope chase knows who he's got there. And Nathan Uvalde. He does now. So moving on to our next matchup. So this is an Arthur Rhodes special, and it's a clash of the Titans, if you will. We've got the Dukes of Flatbush, our dad, reigning champion, coming off a loss, going up against the master of ties himself, the wild card, Brad, who's now 2-4-3. and three. Ethan, who do you have in this
3: matchup? Um, give me Chuck in this matchup potential playoff preview right the uh, current 1 versus 4 seed um give me chuck right now i mean i i just think chuck has a much more talented team um i mean i'm i'm looking at Brad's team and i'm staring at Steven Strasburg injured in a starting spot not even not like he's out of IL spots but not even on the bench just straight up in the lineup that's respect um, that's what that is sure i mean he's uh He's gotten some great innings out of Bumgarner. It's another guy who's on the IL. Chuck's going to get much better starts this week, obviously, with Cole and Corbin Burns, um, mm-hmm. among others. And uh, and I mean, I mean, just so top to bottom, Chuck just has a, a better team. Of course, Chuck is getting this kind of production out of Riss Hoskins. It's not like that guy's going to win MVP or anything, but it's like, I hate that he's so, he's so useful right now um, because Chuck doesn't need any more help. He's got a very deep offense. It feels like he, um, it feels like he hasn't even peaked yet with the guys he has on the IL. But I think that um, unless Brad gets very active and very creative with his five moves this week, Chuck is going to um, win this one and try and move back into first place.
1: Okay. I, <laughs> okay. Uh, I am picking Brad and let me explain myself here. Okay. Brad's team. It's Oh God. I just, I don't want to pick Brad because I'm worried. He's not going to do anything in order to win. He has to do something. I know that. Right. But, but like,
3: he only has nine offensive players. I mean, he has more, but he has only nine healthy offensive players.
1: He only has nine healthy offensive players. Ideally Chris Davis with a K he's day to day right now. He bounces back. But I mean, of of his offensive players, Austin Riley has been on a cold streak lately, but we've seen him go on hot tangents. I think Dansby Swanson's having a great year. Um, Bryce is back and healthy in his lineup. Lindor is finally starting to look a little bit like Lindor offensively. So you combine all that with, I love Brad's bullpen. Like I I can't I can't get past that. He gets really good save numbers out of Hendricks Diaz and Classe. If he could you know, drop, uh, I don't know, Michael Pineda, I guess, or Michael Walker or Garrett Richards, or, you know, a a, a litany of other options he has with his roster and add a hold sky. I think that would make him a lot more dangerous. Um, but yeah, assuming Brad uses two or three moves this week, I think he beats dad because the Dukes have been, uh, a little cold. Their studs have have not been studs lately. Adolis Garcia has started. Those strikeouts are starting to catch up to him. You know, he's. A, it's not that he's hitting terribly, but it's you know, it's it's not great. Um, Luis Urias has not not bounced back the way I thought he has. Uh, guys like Alec Baum and Andrew Vaughn, a couple of young studs that we expect a lot out of, but they're dragging down his average and. Despite that, he's got two hitters for Arizona who are batting over 400 for the past two weeks. He still has just kind of performed average the past couple of weeks. So he should win uh, all counting stats for pitching it, with, with, with guys like Corbin Burns and Garrett Cole. He should also have an advantage with ERA and whip. Um but I don't think he's able to catch Brad offensively. And I think Brad has some sneaky pitching and I think Brad takes saves and doesn't end up walking as many people. Cause again, he's not going to get the counting stats. I guess ERA and whip for me are the big toss-ups like who can, who can win those average numbers on pitching is, uh, is going to end up deciding this matchup for me or uh, the dukes start hitting the way they're supposed to and and this is just an absolute route but for the time being i am i'm picking brad and i don't feel comfortable saying that trevor who do you got
2: yeah i don't know he's gonna he's brad's gonna really have to follow the the beat rum ham model here and uh hey. l- less is more i guess because yeah but i mean if these guys continue hitting like they did to, I, as you were talking, I was like, my God, I lost him. And he didn't even have Bryce Harper till like Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> uh I mean, if they stay hot, McCutcheon hit like four home runs last week and Swanson is playing out of his mind. Yeah, if he draws, I do think offense, the way that they're hot right now, dangerous, but it's going to be, I think it's going to be similar to our the matchup that I just had with Brad where Chuck wins pretty much all of the pitching. And then, uh, but I think he'll win a, a few of the hitting categories. I just don't think that these guys can sustain um, the, what they did to me last week. So um, I'm taking Chuck in this and to his point, like the Garrett Richards and Waka, those, he picked up Sunday to beat me in strikeouts. So I don't think they're, they're uh, stalwarts on his team. I just, that was just um, who he had. And obviously, he hasn't looked at his team today. So <laughs> um, I think he'll make some moves, um, especially since he's kind of feeling good about a tie. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> you were so close to being like feeling good about the win. And then you realized.
2: Oh, sorry, dogs um yeah so yeah i think chuck's gonna you know beat him in this one even even though yeah he does have some some icy right now um and it's funny because he, he even mentioned something about riding the hot hand with colin moran um but like does that still count after a for a long stint on the il like i don't know that colin moran is gonna do it for him at that first base there so um yeah i think chuck's is gonna edge it out here
1: okay somebody tell brad i picked him tell him to tell him to give a try uh yeah. this week i'd really appreciate it um let's move on to some mystery players from this matchup starting with the hitter. so one of the hitters in this matchup is on pace for 86 runs 37 doubles uh the same as Gritchik. 32 homers also the same as Grichik 92 RBIs and 5 stolen base and stolen bases and currently carries a 355 weighted on base average Ethan who's that hitter man i fuck
3: i think gim i think it's Rhys Hoskins
1: Rhys Hoskins Trevor who's that hitter
3: uh
2: McCutcheon.
1: McCutcheon. Okay. That's a good guess. 86 runs, 37 doubles, 32 homers. Uh, Our mystery pitcher has 168 innings pitched. He's on pace to go 16 and three. He's on pace to walk 71 people, but strike out 242 guys, which is just an absurd number. For 168 innings pitched. He's on pace for 16 quality starts and currently has a 289 FIP. Trevor, who's that pitcher? This
2: it's like tricky because I'm like, this comes down to two guys, right? But maybe that's the point that you're trying to trick me. But I'm going
1: with Cole. Going with Cole, comma, Garrett?
3: Yeah, Cole, comma,
1: Garrett. All right. Ethan, who's that pitcher?
3: I did not think this through because I want Rhys Hoskins to be right, but then that means he can't be a pitcher on Chuck's team. Now, you know what? I think it's Freddy Peralta if it's going to be from Chase's or Brad's team. Damn it. Ethan! Freddy Peralta. Ethan drilled it.
1: It is Rhys Hoskins and Freddy Peralta. Ha-ha! Clinton Dix. You know, oh, in, in a move that nobody saw coming, Brad might have had the best 22nd round pick in our draft with Freddy Peralta, who all of a sudden yeah, no kidding. could be an ace. He's on pace for 242 strikeouts. That's absurd.
3: I knew he I didn't realize it was that, but I knew he was striking out a lot of guys. I would have yeah. also guessed, um, cole or burns except for that i was really like i really think this is fucking riss hoskins so was- well and i didn't think about the
2: innings like cole and um burns well burns maybe not but cole's for sure gonna be over 200 innings so i'm like yeah true i don't know why and hoskins like i i i would have never pegged reese hoskins for ever having three stolen bases and that was a surprise to me so yeah
1: yeah, he's he's uh he's hitting that sneaky speed right now. Yeah. For me, the the big thing is Freddie Peralta used to be the prototypical five-inning guy, and he's he's getting quality starts this year while still having an insane pitch count. So I mean 168 innings pitched is not an absurd number for a top end ace like this. Right. So
3: a Milwaukee like Craig Council, that's how he he's another uh villain of kevin sutton with (laughs) i mean not to the kevin cash degree of course but he's another guy that's like we have a good bullpen and that's a resource obviously they have hater that's quite a resource um but yeah i mean he's he's i apparently he's shoving more than even i was giving credit for before looking at this trivia
1: well kudos to brad for all of his Baseball knowledge and uh, clear research that he did and nagging <laughs> Freddie Peralta in the 22nd round. Moving on to our next matchup. We've got the Houston Tiger emoji. Chris, who's six and three, currently sitting atop the Arthur Rhodes division versus Save Ferris, who's five, three, and one. Uh, I'll go ahead and kick us off. And I'll tell you right now, I'm picking Huck. Um, I Huck's got... Well, first of all, and this is not something I like to bring up. It, this is something that I shouldn't be bringing up, but I can't help it. Huck's team has like 16 triples this year. And it just drives, as a team who currently has four triples, that drives me absolutely crazy. Like every single player on his starting roster has a triple this year. Jonathan Scope, Ryan Mountcastle, you know, Bobby Daubeck has a triple. I mean, he's batting 195 this year and he has a triple. I have Jose Altuve, his zero. He's batting over 300. It's just, it's maddening. Um. All of that aside, Huck's offense is so incredibly balanced. He hit like, he gets damage done. I mean, yes, he's got Otani batter, but truly gets damage done by every single player in his starting lineup. You pair that with his crazy pitching strategy where it's basically here's Degrom, who might be the best pitcher that we've seen in our lifetime. Uh, I know the argument can be made. We've seen a lot of like I watched Roger Clemens pitch against Randy Johnson in person when I was a kid. And even so, I'm not sure what they were doing is as good as what we're seeing out of Degrom right now. It's just absolutely absurd. So Huck's pairing that with Otani pitcher and just as many relievers as he can fit on his roster, and it's working. He's punting two categories and it drives me absolutely nuts, but it's working to a T. And as Trevor said earlier, I I just I think Chris has some issues on offense. And pitching wise, I think his best bet this week is to steer into it, is to go, you know what? Huck is I I need to make sure I take wins, quality starts, K's. Um, and just once you have that, once you once you feel like you've got a decent lead there, at that point, maybe see if you can stream some holds, guys, and starting pitcher spots, things along those lines. That being said, I'm still taking Huck. Uh, Trevor, who do you got?
2: Yeah, I'm with you. I think I got I got Huck here. Um, you know, I think it's gonna be very close. I think it's gonna be a Sunday. Sunday fun day for these guys because of uh, Chris's um, bullpen. That's going to keep them in it, even, even though Huck has, you know, nine relievers. Um, but, but, you know, like I said, those the sir just feeding those guys, man. I, I don't know. If, I mean, it depends on whether they win or not, but they're winning games. So um, I think he's going to keep it close with the, with the holds and the saves and stuff. Um, but I agree that he, he should, you know, dive into the, you know, streaming pitchers and stuff. Um, This has been a great year for streaming pitchers. Um, I haven't very, I haven't done it, but I kind of roster a few that were kind of like borderline, you know, streamers and they had kind of breakouts. Um, So, but yeah, strikeout thing and the, um, you know, the dead ball or whatever they're calling it. It's a good year to stream pitchers. So I think that he could, you know, get a leg up on this matchup by doing that. Um, but I think that the hitting you're right is, is uh Hucksteam sitting pretty well right now. Um, I had talked to him about Castle. I don't know, two weeks before, before this hot streak got, got going and, and he was to, to not want to sell him at all. Um, Cause ever, I mean, I guess you could see the hot streak was going to come. So it was pretty obvious. Um, and he's in the middle of it right now. So um i like that um and again yeah I, like i said i like chris's team but i i just don't think he's six and three like uh, to me six and three is like that's just, i mean you're one of the top three teams in the league so yeah I, I don't see it from his offense um for this week um so yeah i'm taking hot. well and I very just close want- like in one that we're going to be watching kind of like everyone was tuned into the rum ham wild card matchup on sunday <laughs>
1: yeah. i i can also see this one being close i just how much of a difference is Cabrian hayes gonna make you know what i mean like uh, I, I mean
2: i a lot but well, that
1: that's the thing if it's a lot then this matchup might be completely different but as of right now chris is rocking uh two guys batting under 200 on his roster and then an injured javi baez and i mean nick magical who's i love him i love nick magical but he's not going to give you a whole a big power boost he's, just he's a great a baseball
2: player and that's yeah, fine oh, for sure. you know and that's fine to be a great baseball player and not be a, a fancy just right awesome guy kevin you know? kiermeyer right <laughs> yeah
3: jeez yeah. get rid of that guy please Ethan, who do you got in this matchup? I, um, man, I'm really interested in this matchup because this is a great test for Huck's strategy. You know, Huck. I don't even think Huck is trying to tell anybody this is a strategy that's foolproof that can beat any other type of roster construction he might oppose. It's it's clearly working. He's got a winning record. He's he's doing well in the tough division. But he and Chris both are two teams that are second and third in pitching Roto respectively. And then eighth and 12th in offensive Roto respectively Huck being 12th. So, you know, they're, they're almost a a kind of a, you know, a Spider-Man meme matchup where it's like, they both pitch. Awesome. They both hit pretty mediocrely. Um, I think Huck is going to end up taking this matchup because I think his strategy is gonna work out. I think, you know, he'll win pitching five to three and then, Um, you know, that really, that really mitigates what he has to do offensively against another team that's pretty middling offensively. And so I think this is a, this is going to be a case study in where his strategy really can work against other teams with winning records, you know, in those playoff type matchups. Um, and so, you know, I don't think it's going to be, I think it's going to be very close. I don't think anybody is going to Wait, I, you know if either team wins more than 10 categories, I would be shocked. You know, I think it's going to be one of those like nine to seven or like eight to seven type of matchups.
1: Yeah. I'm with you on that. I think it's going to be close, but uh, just to be clear, you have Huck.
3: I take Huck. Yes. Sorry. Okay.
1: All right. Let's get to the mystery hitter for this matchup. So this mystery hitter is on pace to score 71 runs. Hit 16 doubles, three triples, 16 homers, 76 RBIs with 18 stolen bases. He currently has a 339 weighted on base. He kind of fills up the stat sheet across the board. Uh, Trevor, who's that hitter?
2: Um, Oof. hold on, give me a second. I gotta look. Go ahead, Ethan.
1: Ethan, who's that hitter?
3: Ooh. Um. Uh
1: how about the falafel? He wants Isaiah comic falafel. Um Trevor, who's that hitter? I'm gonna go
2: with I have a crying child that I'm probably gonna have to for t- this guess. Um man, the stolen bases are tricky, right? Um, I don't think falafel gets there. I think that is. I think that's Key Brian. Thinks it's Key Brian? No, 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 no. He doesn't no, no, think no, no. it's Key Take Brian. It it's not Key Brian. Holy crap, this stuff.
1: Um, Rojas. Josh Rojas is your guest. Uh, okay, so let's talk about our mystery pitcher for this matchup. This pitcher's on pace to have 190 innings pitch, which is pretty impressive um, in this day and age. Kevin Sutton would be proud. They're on pace to go twenty-one and five, only walk twenty-nine people with two hundred and eleven strikeouts. Those are Cy Young numbers. No, no matter how you cut them. Like if, if he keeps this pace up, he is square in the Cy Young conversation. No matter which league he's in, um, he's on pace to get sixteen quality starts and currently has a three thirteen FIP. Ethan, who's that pitcher?
3: Um wow is it fuck is it Trevor Rogers well my guess is Trevor Rogers your guess
1: is Trevor Rogers
3: Trevor Peterson answer first
1: hey Trevor who's that pitcher
2: I'm going with um, Urias Julio Urias sorry yeah I was all out of sorts there for a second Uh, Amber had to run her mother to the urgent care and so i'm here with the baby and he started crying he's good now oh man and and, uh my mother-in-law is okay but yeah so i was but that's my guest Urias.
1: okay i'm glad everybody's okay um good you're right about julio Urias. he is just and this is—it's funny. Like this is one where I have to take a hard L, and yeah. I hope Chris is listening to this one because he can take a easy victory lap on this. Every time I want I'm a talking, victory lap
2: on this too, because I was with Chris from the beginning on this one. I I just, and you know that too.
1: I know, I know, and he's he's loved Urias. I think he's got Urias in like the top ten rounds, and I'm always like, uh, like I get it. He was a stud when he was younger. He's gonna have like innings pitch limits and things like that. Now that he's up, he's dominating. He is absolutely phenomenal. Like the fact that he's on pace to walk 29 guys and still strike out 211 is downright silly. Um, Urias is like, he is a guy to build your, like he's a keeper to build your team around at this point. So kudos to Chris on that one. Our mystery hitter is uh, a, a maligned player of the past. Who's kind of bounced back this year. It's the one and only Andrew Benintendi, who is more fantasy relevant now than I think he's ever been in his entire career. Um, he's batting generally in the top three for Kansas City, who they're not having a great year, but he's still batting in the top three, batting 294, um, has six homers and seven steals, and just kind of fills up the stat sheet all over the place. So Huck, who is just a a, a blind just lover of Ben and The Ben and is his guy. Could not be happier with the year that both he and Otani are having. I realized um,
2: he was on base to steal that made base, but I should have known it's the Royals.
1: Right? Yeah, he's uh he's swiping some bags. I tell you what, I, Huck would have a perfect trifecta if Bobby Dalbeck didn't suck at hitting. So you know, batting one ninety five, six home runs. um but let's move on to our next matchup. It's an Arthur Rhodes special. We're looking at in play runs, Kevin Sutton, who's two, six and one, going up against another team that's currently struggling in their division, the Never It's John, our 2019 champion and, and uh you know podcast contributor of last week. He's three, five and one. Trevor, who do you have in this matchup?
2: Man, this one's tough. Um, uh, I think they tie.
1: <laughs> they're going to tie? They gonna uh, go I tell you what, if you call a tie and it happens.
2: <laughs> That's good. It's worth two in the standings. It should be. Uh, I'm going to take John. Um, you know, when I look at these guys hitting, to me, they're they're pretty close um, with, like, the star power and then the waiver wire type of guys or, like, you know, with uh, John's got Trey Turner and Bregman, um, and then some some waiver wire guys. And then you look over here, you got Machado, or Dugo, and Winker. Machado's not having that great of a season, I know, but he can turn it on at any moment. Um, but the what the difference to me is, man, the pitching is good too. Jeez. <laughs> I think that John's going to win by the bullpen like uh, it's I mean, because the starting pitching glass now or Darvish and Woodruff, Lance Lynn, um, oh, I guess McCullers hurt. Yeah, it's just as the, the good pitching, but John's got the bullpen and I'm going to give him a slight edge on hitting for the week, um, especially since like, if you look, they're Milwaukee, um, that's like something. To monitor since Milwaukee has these freaking studs pitching, so you know with with um, Sutton rostering three Reds, yeah, um, that could be a tough. You know if you if he goes against, um, you know if he gets Peralta, um, Woodruff and Burns, and you could be in trouble there. You know three days out of a week. Um, so uh, just talking myself into John.
1: Okay. You've got John, Ethan, who do you got in this matchup?
3: I was on mute. I also have. I was about to
1: check to see if you put up a sign. I was like, not again. (laughs) Nope. Nope. That
3: one's on me. I also have John in this matchup. Um, Sutton just doesn't have all his horses right now. Um, I mean, Evan Longoria has been fantastic this year. He's on the IL right now. Obviously, John Means has been fantastic this year. He's on the IL right now. Votto is um, in the twilight of his career, but he's certainly above streaming, and he's on the IL right now. Um, John has some guy named Mike Trout on the IL, but I've barely heard of him, so I don't think that matters much. (laughs) Um, But I really do. I think John's a little bit healthier, and I think that he – is going to um, is going to get enough pitching against um, Sutton because I think he has a better bullpen than Sutton. I think they both have some real horses as starting pitchers go. Um, and then offensively, I think he's just a lot healthier. I mean, I think Matt Chapman is going to be much better than the 205 hitter he's been so far this year, but there's no guarantee that's going to happen this week and or anything like that. So, I mean, Jesse Winker, again, he doesn't date. He fucks. He Right now he fucks harder than almost anybody in baseball, but I think John has a deeper offense and, um, and a better bullpen. So I think he'll win, but I think this is the first time they are matching up. So if they match up again and Sutton's team is – healthier than it's a totally different matchup.
1: Yeah. I I'm going to have to agree with you. That's it's Sutton is just in such a rough spot, which I know, you know, in talking to him the last couple of weeks, he's he, the, he took a couple of losses really hard. He is one game out of a playoff spot still, but um, it, it's just, his team is kind of in tatters right now. Don't know if Tyler Naquin's going to hit this week. Evan Longoria was on an absolute tear. He was batting 448 with a 1500 OPS for the last two weeks. And then he hits the IL. Um, Sutton has no reason to hang on to Billy Hamilton. I honestly think he would be safe to drop Sam Huff. I think he could be safe to drop JD Davis, but there are a lot of moves he would need to make in order to field a competitive team this week. And just based on the way he's... He's kind of like looking for keepers and and the way he's talking and things like that. I'm not sure he's going to do it. So I think John might get a win by default this week, even though he is also struggling. He just had one of his NAs sent back down. That's the opposite direction of what he's looking for. So, uh, you know, John might get a, John might get a cheapie this week, but I'll be interested to see what Sutton does to clean up his roster to to try to make this matchup competitive but as it stands right now I think I'm I'm picking John and hoping Sutton makes it look more interesting than it does right now. Um, so our mystery hitter for this matchup is on pace to score 71 runs has is going to get 16 doubles, 26 homers, 56 RBIs and has a whopping 4.21 weighted on-base average. Ethan, who's that batter?
3: Man. Um, I don't know that this is right, but I want it to be right for personal bias reasons. Give me Trey Turner.
1: Trey Turner. Um, I'm going to tell you right now, I I didn't list any steals because he has no steals, but you're not allowed to guess again uh damn i'm trying to name that hitter
2: oh man this one's tough um
1: buster posey buster posey okay the uh the mystery oh, pitcher, that's way wrong God, the mystery man. pitcher for this matchup is on pace to pitch 203 innings um, despite the huge sample size, he's only projected to go 11 and five with 66 walks, but 279 strikeouts, 279 strikeouts with 21 quality starts, 21 quality starts, 279 strikeouts, and only 11 wins. He's currently got a 305 FIP. Trevor, who's that pitcher?
2: Uh, this has probably been the, the most difficult one for me because I at first I was – So I mean not not just the pitcher, I mean both of the hitter and the pitcher because I was sold on a guess earlier. This is glass now because I picked somebody from
3: John's team earlier. So this is glass now.
1: Ethan, who's that pitcher?
3: I was also thinking glass now because apparently I can just fucking punt on my offensive.
0: <laughs> yes.
3: Um, I screwed it up too. Cause uh, my, it's definitely not Buster Posey. So <laughs> I was, um, I was, I'm thinking even more on it. I'm like, and Trey Turner's going to have like way more than 56 RBIs. I don't know what, anyway, that was dumb. I think it is either glass now or Bauer. I'll guess Bauer so we can have a little, so we can hedge our bets at, uh, on the guesses here.
1: The pitcher's class now, the hitter's posy. Nice, is Posey. Trevor. What do you mean? He's Buster, a, he's already got 10 Buster, home runs. Buster that, Posey. I guess that's yeah, 20. Almost
3: yeah. 40% of the way through the season.
1: Yeah, Buster yeah, Posey right. with a limited sample size doesn't play every day, which is why the RBIs that are projected to be so low. But my God, Posey's got a 9.94 OPS this season with 10 homers, 27 runs, and 22 RBIs as a catcher. Easily the best value at catcher that anybody's gotten this season. I knew it the whole time. You never doubted it. Glassnow, <laughs> um, on the other hand, I guess those of us that are, have been watching him, like he's he's the new Greek god Adonis. He's the he's Cinderguard. What cindergard was supposed to be three or four years ago. Um, just absolutely incredible for one reason or another, he's getting, uh, he may look and pitch like center guard, but he's getting the DeGrom treatment, not getting a lot of run support when he pitches, um, still just a freaking outstanding pitcher. Great. Another one of those guys that, um, like somebody I mentioned earlier, I can't even remember who great guy to build your pitching keepers around, uh, glass now. So. Super fun to watch. Let's move on to our next matchup. It's an exciting one. It's a Sam Crawford special. We've got Tim's from my hooligans. Matt, our associate commissioner, currently sitting at seven and two um, at the top of the league, going up against the Oscar Snubs, Levi, who's currently four and five. Ethan, who do you have in this matchup?
3: Um, I've got Matt in this matchup. I think Matt has the best team in the league his, I can't believe he's not first in offensive Roto, but I guess like he just got Yelich back and um, Soto was out for some time. Buxton's out now, but God, does he have a I mean, even like Sean Murphy, who it's like, yeah, Sean Murphy's no like second coming of Mike Piazza or anything, but even he is like a well above average fantasy catcher. Vlad is, Vlad is obviously insanely good guards so to uh, like his team is so 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 deep offensively and max to your point earlier like that's kind of a better barometer for week to week because pitchers within a one week sample are always going to have a smaller sample size um and he's got great pitching too um you know shane bieber i still think shane Bieber's had a quality start in all but one of his starts this year so i think levi is a good team i think uh matt is a great team um and that translates into me picking the current first place team to extend his lead okay i i agree with you on that i I, it's gonna be hard
2: to pick against matt like (laughs) at all the season so yeah yeah i think i think matt wins too uh it's and then Levi does have a fine team, but I, man, if he, if he did like just step it up and make a few moves uh, per week, I mean, he's not, it's not like he's Brad level, but you know, I think having the whole Bill's bullpen isn't the best. like strategy. Um, <laughs> it's not, <laughs> I mean, these fit That's the are nicest fine. way
0: you could have put that. I mean, what,
2: you know, I don't want to be on here. Just, shitting on other people's teams and I'm out here getting ties, you know, so you. um <laughs> no, but like Levi's team is fine. I think he needs to make a few moves. And um, I mean, somebody would probably trade for those, one of those three relievers. Um, And I'm a guy that has two relievers from one team, but it, it's just not great. So it's hard to pick against Matt's team. And that's kind of more of how I'm picking here is that Matt's team is like it. it chuck said something about my team last week about like if i can afford to have you know go one for 25 in a week and that's like matt's team like even if vlad you know but it doesn't look like vlad's this type of hitter but i'm just saying if he did have like a bad week like bogarts and yelich and soto and like he just has the pieces to make up for one or two of his guys struggling so um, yeah, I got Matt.
1: I'm picking the snubs. I got to oh, take wow. the snubs. So here's the thing. I, I Snubbing think, him. I think Matt's team is due for a little bit of regression for all the wonderful things that we can say about his offense. And don't get me wrong. Matt just... Destroyed my team when I faced him.
3: Yeah, he won't uh, get this reference, but he's the new Hong Kong Heroes.
1: He is, yeah. As far as as far as, <laughs> as, far as uh, our league is concerned, Hong Kong Heroes was the, the one seed in our basketball league for pretty much the entire season. I picked against them every week, um, and I was wrong every week. I'm, <laughs> picking, I'm picking against Matt because, yes, Vlad Guerrero, Sander Brogards, Yelich is bouncing back. Juan Soto. And then you're all, you also have Freddie Galvis and AJ Pollock, who is great when healthy. And, and he's, he might be that again. I, I'm not excited about Ty France, Avisail Garcia or David Peralta for the most part. And that doesn't make his team bad, but I think it makes his team somewhat vulnerable. Um, I don't love for Levi's sake that Shane Bieber's probably looking at a two-start week. Uh, but Aside from that, he's looking at one start weeks from most of his guys. Yeah, one start weeks from from the rest of his stud pitchers. And say what you will about the snubs. You know, I'm my biggest concern here is Levi doesn't pay attention um, because a lot of times Levi doesn't pay attention. And so that could really screw me here. And yeah, the Kansas city bullpen is stupid, but Aaron Nolan, Zach Wheeler have been fantastic. Dick Hill, as we know, has just been absurdly good this year. First of all, not getting horribly injured um, every time out, striking people out like crazy going out. And I mean, he pitches better when he loses than when he wins. It's insane. So Rich Hill looks fantastic for the Rays um, pitching five innings at a time. And, uh, like, Levi's offense is as scary as it can get. Uh, like, Fernando Tatis Jr. is... It's him and Acuna. They're, uh, one of them is the best player in baseball. So, uh, for instance, our mystery hitter this week, you guys w- knew it wasn't going to be Fernando Tatis Jr., but I listed out his stats as th- what they're going to... Like, what he's on pace to do anyways, just for scale. Um, so, between him and... You know, Whit Merrifield, who is just having his best fantasy season ever. Ozzy Albies, who's fantastic. Will Myers. Levi's got an explosive offense. And at any given week, Joey Gallo can hit five or six homers for him too. So, you know, between that and uh, Taylor Trammell, who might take the default Kyle Lewis role for Seattle, guy that strikes out too much, but still hits ball real hard. And hit at, ball hard. he hit ball hard. And at some point he's going to have like a two week period where he bats 400 and hits three homers a week. You know, he's going to be an electric lights out kind of guy. Um, for all I know it could be this week. So I'm, I'm picking Levi this week, just, just purely for law of averages and assuming that he screws me on it, that he just doesn't check his lineup, but I, you know, I got to do it. Um,
2: Man, just a little note. Um, just the difference between AAA and the majors. Um, Jackson Cowar, Cowar, whatever. Yeah. He had like a 0.85 ERA in AAA. Strike out everybody. Yeah. Tonight he went two thirds, gave up three hits, two walks, four earned runs. And jeez,
1: Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the major leagues. Yeah. Is he pitching yeah. for uh, the Royals? Yeah yikes well the good news is i don't have any angels so that's fun (laughs) yeah yeah um okay let's move on to the mystery players no you know what first i want to i want to put these Tatis numbers out there this is what he's on pace to do 108 runs which is the highest we've listed yet with these mystery hitters 24 doubles 45 home runs 103 rbis 34 stolen bases with a 430 weighted on base average. That's the NL MVP right there. Like, I, Acuna, sure. I get it, Acuna, but that's if he puts up those numbers, that's the NL MVP.
2: Yeah, that's like one of those things where, like, Acuna is the best player, but Fernando Tatis is not wrong either. You yeah, know, there's no, no wrong answer. Like, right. it's just... <laughs>
1: Yeah. Maybe Fernando Tatis. Yeah, this is more of a magic
3: a bird dynamic than like yeah. a Jordan versus the league or MJ versus the league type yeah. of dynamic. Yeah. He's
1: just, and he's the most exciting player to watch in baseball, offensively, defensively, on the base paths. Like it just always seems like he's doing something.
2: That is the one thing that he has over Acuna, in my opinion, is the is that just the position is more fun to watch defensively um, now I love an assist, but they just happen far less than ground balls deep in the hole. Right. You know, for Tatis to to turn and burn on them. So, yeah, I, I think the uh, defensively Tatis for sure is is way more fun to watch.
1: Right, a shortstop Gold Glove is worth way right. more in everybody's mind than a centerfield Gold Glove. Yeah. So, all right, let's get to our actual mystery hitter, mystery pitcher. So, our mystery hitter for this matchup. On pace to score 97 runs, have 31 doubles, 34 homers, 84 RBIs, eight steals, and currently has a 340 weighted on base average. This guy is a fantasy stud. Ethan, who's that hitter?
3: I think I know who it is because I think he was a trivia answer in the other episode I was on. I think it's... Colorado Rockies infielder Ryan McMahon.
1: Okay, Trevor, who's that hitter?
3: Yeah, Ryan McMahon. I think I got both of these down because I do too. I wanted
2: McMahon so bad, I still do. I I wanted to trade Levi today, and then the other one is the homer. So yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So our our mystery pitcher, two hundred. He's on pace for two hundred and thirty-three innings pitched. So over two hundred innings pitched, that's great. He's on pace to go eighteen and zero. And lose zero games.
3: As any 18-0 <laughs> pitcher does. Right.
1: He's on pace to walk 42 <laughs> hitters while striking out 245. And along the way, he's on pace to get 26 quality starts, which is absurd. Considering the a guy that doesn't get injured. Like, if you don't get injured, you pitch a full season, you're going to get 32 or 33 starts if you're pitching every fifth day. So, 26 yep. quality starts. He currently has a 220 fib.
3: I would just like to say, I know Trevor called yeah, I out like it for he you, because bad. he's a homer. I also was going to guess yeah. Kevin Gosman. Yeah. you um, said you. said I don't want it. to make it seem like I only got it because he gave that very nice. Yeah, no, you did say you had it before I said that, <laughs> but yeah. yeah Kevin un- Gosman. Yeah. Unreal. You know, and Matt, Matt texted
2: me last night and was like, I, I don't, I don't think he was serious about a trade. Maybe he was trying to g- gauge somebody else's trade offer or something, but he was like, what would you give for your boy? And I was like, I don't have it. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I, mean, like, I mean, like, I do, but I'm not willing to get it. It's hard to trade for that at the peak of its, is the be, like, arguably, statistically, one of the best, you know, right? The buy pickers. high is always a treacherous yeah, negotiation. Like, so, you know, like, the answer to that question isn't Bellinger. Like, I'm not going to give all, I mean, it is but I'm not going to do it. So I was not like, right. I'm sorry, I just don't have it for you. But <laughs> I, <laughs> theoretically,
1: I'd give my old team. I don't know. <laughs> so for what it's worth, both of those are right. Ryan McMahon on pace to have an outstanding year. I specifically didn't mention him when talking about Levi's team to try and hide it, but, um, I knew both of you had, had researched him this. Yeah,
2: year, so. I love, I I'm a big Ryan McMahon guy. I always have, even when he struggled he's he's putting um, it together the first couple of years yeah i'm a big fan big fan he's
1: finally putting it together and yeah gaussman is there's a, if matt had any reason to believe that gaussman was going to decline at all like like start struggling i would say this is as high as you could sell a pitcher ever in the history of of selling unkeepable pitchers yeah and maybe uh, that's what he was this doing is more than a
3: stonk at this point
1: right yeah and also, I'd like to call out, I drafted Gaussman in like the 11th last year, hoping for something like this. And he didn't do it. Um, so, you know.
2: It just took helped. for, you know, a little season vet as a giant, baby.
1: Thanks. Thanks a lot,
3: Kevin Gaussman. Hey, the San Francisco, as as easy as it is to root against the Dodgers, the Giants are America's team. I guess the Dude. Padres don't really have any ill will from a neutral fan, but
2: it, it, it you know, and I don't
3: know what the feeling
2: outside is because I'm just like loving it every day, but I feel the same I'm like everybody has to realize how fun it is in like the, Z- the Zaidi and Gabe Kapler thing. Like, again, if you know baseball, you're like, I, I mean, this is working and like to see like that they you're like Alex Dickerson. Okay, but he sucks against righties. So let's bring in Duggar and Duggar absolutely crushes Duggar, righties. Yeah. And then it's like, so he I think he's the truest form or today's version of Moneyball. Like, there's nothing more exciting to me than like seeing Lamont Wade Jr. I'm like, Lamont Wade Jr. and it it's a lead
3: off home run. And I'm like, okay, whatever, <laughs> dude. Like <laughs> I guess you're right. <laughs> and the uh the Evan Longoria Renaissance. I know he's back yeah. on the il hey, but Crawford, that's also I mean
2: great. I think soon it's gonna be like how it was previously with the Astros, where they get the Astros bump. You know, even when they get traded, you're like, Oh, oh the yeah. Astros drafted him in the first round. Okay, he's got the spin rate and the okay, you know, <laughs> and then soon you're gonna be like the Giants, Chadwick Trump, and you're like. Chadwick Trump huh? all right I'll go ahead <laughs> yeah he had like two doubles the other night it's like as it's just unbelievable
1: all right oh I saw a meme the other day where it was uh it was a Padres fan and a Dodgers fan sitting together and like it looks like they were about to start arguing and the the little thought bubble was what the fuck are the Giants doing here
0: who
2: <laughs> saw <Yes. laughs> like, this is coming? This is great. Oh, Solaire
1: home run. Oh yeah, no, I I, I saw the Solaire home run. I was gonna leave that for our next matchup, but yeah, good call. Solaire home run. I'm very happy about it. I've held on to him despite his awful average. Um nowhere to go but up. Nowhere to go but up. <laughs> so our next matchup is the the much praised roster of the disabled list, SC. Yours truly, I'm five and four. I'm going up against Victor, um, the the co-master of ties, Carrasco Misuevos. SCs, one five and three. I'm gonna start this off. I'm going to beat Victor. Uh, I, I don't. I don't really. I don't have a bunch of hard analysis for this. I do, and I say it every week. I like Victor's team better than everybody else does, but he does some dumb stuff. You know, rostering two Yankees catchers for a little while wasn't bright. He stopped doing it. Yeah. Um, I I don't have any problem with him rostering Andy Har, who's hitting the crap out of the ball. Um, I, I like a lot of players on his team. I think Colton Wong will pay off when he comes off the, the IL. Uh, it it kind of sucks that Turnbull's hurt now. He's He's got a lot of injured players. He's got five guys yeah. and or six guys and only four slots to put him in. Um, so that's kind of a, a bummer for a matchup this year, but or this week. But with Turnbull out and Desclafani kind of declining somewhat from what he was doing, I, I think Victor's going to have a hard time beating me this week if my team comes in and does what they should. Which last week my team didn't even start hitting until like Friday, and we came back. Like I was batting, I want to say one fifty something going into Friday, and then my team started hitting, and I finished, like, 260, um, which is what I expect out of my team on a regular basis. Oh, I just realized why Jorge Soler homered, because Dylan Bundy's pitching. Yeah, I, also was, have
3: I was going to say that in my portion of the prediction. Oh, it's, God. It's, uh, I, I it's I just a disabled realize. list on... Disa- it's disabled on disabled crime.
1: Yeah, usually you got to pay extra for that. Um, <laughs> Trevor, who do you have in this matchup? You're a terrible people.
2: Um, <laughs> I got... The disabled list sc here um as previously mentioned um yeah i think victor's just in a tough spot and like you said you're i I always kind of like it i mean i like it if i win a week when my guys start so super slow and they get hot on friday saturday sunday or something or like saturday sunday if i'm able to win that week and carry the hot into like the monday tuesday that it feels good so i feel like that's where you're going with that. Like your your guys started hitting towards the end of the week there. And so you're hoping they just ride that streak a little bit. So um, and the, just looking at the lineup, it just is like Altuve, you know, you're like you got another one of those strong lineups where if one of these guys, the Rosarina, he's super hot and cold. So if he struggles, um, you know, you got the the average contributors with um, Altuve and Santander um and hor and Solaire with a great average, you know. Uh oh yeah. But yeah, you, you got a balanced team. Um, you know, so and that's if if you if you're looking to like punt one category or something, or like whether it's pitching or hitting, um, you know, then this is the type of lineup that you put together. You got some you got people that steal bases but chip in on steel stolen bases too. Um then you got you know Average guys, runs guys at the top of the. Um, you got guys that hit it in the four hole. Oscar, I, I was wrong about Teoscar, Um, so I'll take a hell on that. I didn't think it was going to be terrible, but I definitely didn't think he would be playing this well. Just thought he struck out too much. So, um, and then uh, you're pitching. You know, I I was with you on the buy low with Bundy. Um, I probably. Would have waited till John dropped him because I like Andrew Vaughn, but um but yeah, I think Bundy's gonna turn around. Like all his underlying numbers are nice. Um it was kind of a you know, like I bought low on Castillo for the same reasons. Um sometimes I wish I would have waited it out a little bit longer too, but but I think Bundy overall is gonna, I mean, he's a quality pitcher. Um and um the bullpen. Uh, yeah i mean chafin is really nice um and they keep going to him in tough spots so you know the whole something for you but it's not like you don't have holds guys um so um yeah i just think your team is more balanced than victor's right now um i was victor i i would you know try and um rebuild the farm so to speak
0: Okay,
1: he wants Trevor st- or he wants Victor to start farming Ethan. Who you got?
3: I have got the disabled list. I just think um Victor's got a good offense, but he's got an inconsistent offense. He um his offense nearly caught me last week, but it just peaked way too late. It was just a lot of turbulent up and down. I certainly don't think that he um, has the healthy available pitching to keep up with you this week, so I think he's going to be very offense-dependent. And um, with Soler already getting a homer on Monday in a night where 80% of the league doesn't even have a game, it's not the, the best omen to start a matchup. Um But for more substantive reasons and, and less spooky, Fortune telling reasons. I think, um, I think I am taking the disabled list this week.
1: Honestly, I I think Victor would favor the spooky fortune telling. Like I, I think I think spooky fortune telling at this point is the one thing he hasn't tried. You know, like give it a shot, <laughs> give it a shot. Do some, I, don't know
3: I almost picked a tie for this week because he does have a he does have a frisky offense, but it's again, it's more that it's just not consistent right now. Like. Um like Jazz Chisholm is awesome and definitely like a building piece for him, but like he's not super consistent. You know, Judge is great. Big hat Rymel has been great, but Gary Sanchez is I mean he's worth rostering as a catcher, but he's inconsistent. It's just a lot of it's tough to you could I look at his his offense and I'm like, I like a lot of these players, but then it's just tough to hang your hat on anything that you know you can expect week to week.
0: I I
1: like his offense a lot if Colton Wong is there instead of Brandon Lau. Um like a lot. I, I think it's it is a very solid offense that's actually should be performing better, even as well as it's performing. Um like I like Jazz chism's the real deal. That was a great pick. That's gonna be a keeper for a while. Um big hat, big head, big bat, tapia <laughs> is is also great. Victor needs some pitching, man. Like I actually think bullpen-wise, he might have me beat. Uh, Jansen and Chafin alone are better than any reliever that I have. So that's fantastic. It just – God, man, his injuries suck, and he could use some more consistent guys pitching-wise. But like Trevor said earlier, great year for streaming. So I personally – I would give him more of a chance if he wasn't dealing with all the roster spot issues, you know, just – having to roster all these guys that are so hurt, Um, but uh, yeah, clean sweep, clean sweep, clean sweep me versus Victor. Let's get to some mystery players though. So the mystery hitter for this matchup is on pace to score 61 runs, hit 24 doubles, 32 homers and 116 RBIs, Currently has a 343 weighted on base average. Trevor, who's that hitter?
2: I, I'm just, I'm at a loss on this one. Um I it's like I feel like I have it, and then 61 runs. Sixty. How do you runs? hit 32 home runs? Did and only scores 61 runs. Dude. Most of the
1: time, when he scores, it's because he hit a home run.
2: Literally, yeah, only, only. Uh, clearly, um, yeah. Man, uh, um,
1: maybe he doesn't have great I guys. Look at
2: the picture, him. yeah. Yeah, it's 24 yeah.
1: doubles, they're yeah, not knocking him in.
2: Yeah, more home runs than doubles, you know. Um, I'm gonna go with Judge,
1: Judge Ethan. Who's that? Hitters,
3: it's gotta have more runs than that. Too. Um, oh. I think I know. Is I'm gonna guess Jesus Aguilar of the Marlins.
1: Jesus Aguilar of the Marlins. I Ooh, bet he scores nice. very that he doesn't yeah, drive in even for see.
3: himself. It is. It's gotta be Aguilar. I didn't even
2: see him on his team. Damn it.
1: So our mystery pitcher for pitcher. this week. He's on pace to have 163 innings pitched. Go 13 and five walking 58 batters, striking out 189 with 11 quality starts, currently as a 3.64 FIP. Ethan, who's that pitcher? Mm-hmm.
3: Is it Wow. Um Sorry, I'm going back and forth between the the stat line and then the um your roster cuz I'm Pretty sure I got the hitter, so I want to know. I think it's a pitcher on your team. Man, uh fuck. Uh give me
1: show him potato salad.
3: So show yeah, me. show me potato salad. Fuck, give me Robbie Ray. I don't even think that's right, but I just I'll guess Robbie Ray.
1: So I just wanna pause the podcast for a minute. This is the first time in trade negotiations or podcast this year that anyone has said to me give me robbie ray and it just it's good to hear. <laughs> it feels good to hear trevor who's that pitcher
2: oh Adbert, what are we doing i got baseball in the first the
3: pitcher's charlie morton
1: so ah, just i just traded so him so off certain. to
3: shalom y'all so He's... certain
1: that it's charlie morton
3: that so sounds that... more right for sure <laughs>
1: the hitter is jesus aguilar yeah. He is good He one. is on pace to score 61 runs in that Marlins lineup hitting fourth. He's hitting in a lot of runs, and nobody's backing him up. Good
3: Christ,
1: yeah. Um, and the pitcher is indeed Charlie Morton, who nice, dude. is, according to his FIP, having some bad luck. Um, so good call there, both of you. Moving on to the next matchup, it is a big... Big Arthur Rhodes matchup that I know for a fact a shot bet is resting on. We're looking at Ethan Shalomial five three and one going up against Andrew Joe is currently three and six coming off a big win against a big sexy team. Trevor, who you got in this one? Oh,
2: if I'm just looking at it, um, which I'm just. Um, now looking at it, <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's if see. I'm looking at it while I look at it. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna go with Andrew on this one. Um, you you. Wow, what a hot Suck start! It, <laughs> what a hot start here, he's got too. Um yeah i like his team a lot I, i've texted him maybe once or twice about some third baseman love because he's got you know all of them i've got quite <laughs> um, and uh but but i uh, yeah i think i think we touched on it uh on um last week or just earlier with andrew's team getting hot like i mean do i think he will hit 24 doubles again no but you know you just want to see the the guys making contact and and he's doing that um the pitching on this would be interesting um I, I i tend to like and or uh, ethan's pitching uh more here uh musgrove stroman stroman's do rag uh, both of <laughs> that's both of them um and uh i like his bullpen uh, man i don't know kimberl Presley God, this is tough. I like your starting pitching more. I like his bullpen a little bit more. Um, and then uh, I think his hitting's just just gonna stay hot and, and take this one for him. I'm gonna go this baby. Um, so if you gotta do the next one without me,
0: all right.
1: So Trevor's got Andrew. Ethan, defend yourself. Why um, is it, how are you? I'm taking win? myself.
3: Oh, sorry, I cut you off. I'm taking myself. I do. Uh, I will say I'm I'm feeling a little vulnerable this week because my team is built on pitching. Like I'm fourth in pitching Roto and I think I'm 11th in hitting Roto. So I'm clearly, you know, and last week against Victor, I think I beat him six to one in pitching and he beat me like five to one in offense. It, it was very emblematic of how a lot of my matchups have gone of late. Um, and then you, with that context, I have zero two start weeks this week. So that makes that leaves me to be very vulnerable i guess not i guess a lot of teams are going to have few two-star weeks because there's so few games uh mm-hmm. today monday as we're yeah. recording this but um i mean i do uh i do think um andrew's offense is starting to perk up but again like we said earlier a lot of his best players are the ones that aren't you know the ones that he can't really move without selling low are the ones that are not carrying their weight so he's kind of just stuck waiting for them so for my sake I hope he's stuck waiting one more week um I beat him the first time so at worst um we can only split he cannot best me um (laughs) but I'm hoping yeah it just takes him one more week to really get you know fourth and fifth gear, Arenado and Olsen and Mookie. Um, He's got a great start from Marte to his week. So going back to bad omens, he's, he's spooking me out a little as well, but I think I can eke, eke it out. Trevor's gone temporarily to be a good father, but um, I was going to offer him one of my third basemen, specifically Eugenio Suarez. I don't know if he was going to accept, but I know that by offering him, he will Homer tomorrow. So You all heard it as podcast (laughs) listeners tune into the reds and there's a drive to left field by Castellanos dot, dot, dot.
1: At, At what point do you start to worry about Eugenio a little bit? Oh, I've been extremely worried about you,
3: Henio. He's still I imagine it's the same exercise you're going through with Solaire on a nightly basis. Like, oh, without
0: a doubt. Absolutely. This is Absolutely.
3: Just self-deprecating to continue to roster this guy. But also, like, I bet you're still going to hit north of 35 homers. But if you end up being Neto Odor, I'm going to be so mad.
1: It's just, it's so, so bizarre. Um, like, how hard he's still hitting the ball. He's still hitting the ball in the air. He's still hitting the ball mm-hmm. hard. It just... I, like, it really kind of doesn't make any sense. Um, I, like, I've looked at his Van profile a couple of times to try and go, all right, well, here, I'll I'll try and get him from Ethan. Um He is a huge pole hitter, and they do shift against him, I'm sure. But, like, Reds have so many guys on base most of the time that, you know, how, how often is the shift in play against him? Well, humanity? and that's yeah. what's so
3: weird is he doesn't – his real problem is that he just doesn't – walk at all and this year especially I mean actually in the past he has walked but this year relative to his norm you know the last four years he's walked between 10.5 and 13 percent and this year he's walking seven and a half percent of the time and he's striking out north of 30 percent for the first time ever like he's just not being excuse me he's just not being selective um at the plate because like he's hitting below 200 and he's got hits in like six of his last eight games but it's all like one for five one for four one for five one for six and so it's like again he's just uh he's having some good at bats but i feel like if he can't get um turned around on a fastball early in a count then he's just not being selective enough in these deeper counts and so it's just like i don't know he's just i feel like his ceiling is just in freefall, but it's never going to crash all the way down because he's still going to hit all those home runs, and he still plays for pretty potent offense. Winker obviously looks awesome right now. I have Castiano, so at least I'm getting that good Reds action. But yeah, he is just—he is a real boomer bust guy. He is not interested. They've tried to hit him leadoff. I swear, just I think for mental games, and to like try and. Get him to take the mental approach of a leadoff hitter, and then it just didn't work. He just continued to have the lowest on-base percentage of all qualified National League hitters for the season so far. Yikes.
0: (laughs)
1: Yikes. uh, I am also going to pick Andrew. And part of it is is you know. I guess Eugenio is a really small part of it. I still strongly believe in your, uh, in Castellanos, Makata, and Simeon, Uh, Schwarber is, is hitting great. When Brantley comes back, he's going to be great. Taylor has
3: been a a darling. I mostly got him for position flexibility and he's playing way better than he should.
1: Oh yeah. He's been very solid to the problem here is that Andrew's team was hitting so badly for so long. In fact, I mean, between Arnauto, Mookie Betts, and Anthony Rizzo over the past two weeks, only one home run between the three of them. That's right. that's absurd. Mookie Betts and Anthony Rizzo each have five home runs. That's not going to continue. I was, I was shocked when Andrew dropped Upton last week um, and not surprised at all when he picked him back up. I mean, he's homered in three of his past five games. He's had 13 homers on the year, and he's been really hot lately. I just – Andrew's team is, is and I hate saying a team is due, but like Matt Olson is the only one hitting his weight. Brian Reynolds is probably hitting home runs a little bit more often than you would expect. Like I expect Brian right. Reynolds to maybe finish with 15, and he's already got eight. Um, but Rizzo and Betts should both be 25-plus guys. So they are they are well behind pace. Uh, that being said, I do think – I think you're starting pitching. None of you guys have start – or neither of you guys have uh, two start weeks for anybody this week. And so it's really just depends on who's facing who. Like he's got Giolito against the Tigers, but, you know, you've got uh, Musgrove against the Mets. So, you right. know, which one would you rather have? Um, a lot of it's going to boil down to sample size. I do think your pitching is better. But I think Andrew's hitting is about to take off. And I, I I suffered against it last week. I think he's about to go on a little run. Um, but between those two, you know what? I'm going to predict a tie. I'm still going to take Andrew as a tiebreaker, but I'm going to predict a tie. I want to see you guys tie this week. If that happens, you both take shots. I've decided. Oh, for, if if
3: that happens, yeah, then we're both taking shots of 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 something. If I'm like, I agree with you. That's why I was kind of like. I'm really hoping that it just takes one more week before all of that stuff happens because I do feel like it's inevitable. And I think my offense is is good enough. I think I'm at the bottom of the middle tier, I guess, offensively. But I think Andrew is also at the bottom of the middle tier with a much higher upside. So, yeah, I'm with but you on that.
1: Trevor's still gone, but I'm going to go ahead and get to our mystery players, starting with our mystery hitter. He's currently on pace to score 116 runs. That's more than Fernando Tatis Jr. He's on pace for 21 doubles, 8 triples, 18 homers, 82 RBIs, and 16 stolen bases. He fills up the stat sheet with a 377 weighted on-base average. Trevor's back. Trevor, name that player.
2: 377 <laughs> Woba. Um, let's go with... Um... Let me see the home runs at least. Um 18. 18 home runs, 21, 16 SBs.
1: He fills it up. He's doing it all right now. Um
2: Reynolds. Burt Reynolds. Reynolds.
1: Okay. Burt Reynolds, Ethan named that hitter. Um
3: wow. I think. Shit. Wow. I had no idea. I think it is Chris Taylor.
1: Okay. Uh, Our mystery pitcher is on pace to pitch 143 innings. Uh, I think he dealt with a a brief injury this year. But he's on pace to go 13 and 11. When he pitches, he gets a decision. He's on pace for 42 walks, 126 strikeouts, and 11 quality starts. Has a FIP under three. It's currently at 2.98. Ethan, who's that pitcher?
3: Um, I think it's Wade Miley.
1: Wade Miley. Trevor, who's that pitcher?
2: I agree, Wade Miley. Wait, no, I went with... Uh, damn. Um, That's going to be the Stroh. Marcus Stroman's... It's not Marcus Stroman. I got both of these wrong, but hey, I was absent. But Marcus Stroman.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so Ethan swept it. Chris Taylor. Chris Taylor yeah. is having whenever you mentioned it earlier i was like oh, okay well he's gonna get this obviously it's his own player um chris taylor is having just an absurd yeah year. that's a really
2: nice season right there yeah, sec- ninth round
1: second base shortstop left field center field eligible and right now batting 275 three triple, seven homers six steals 44 runs i mean that's he's carrying your offense to a certain extent like
3: no, he, he, Castellanos, and Marcus Simeon are really uh, – and, and Ray Muto, but Real Muto is on the IL like I was talking about during waiver Wire All-Stars, but they really buoyed all of that Soler time, all of the Brantley IL time, all of this Schwarber time, though he's starting to pick it up a little. All of this Eugenio, I, it's been polarizing, but he's been strongly on the on the positive pull side with a guy like Castellanos who's been – a godsend
1: yeah he's chris taylor has been absolutely incredible definitely a keeper candidate in the ninth um and wade miley i mean i, don't, I when wade miley pitched for the astros i hated wade miley um so i know he had the no hitter earlier this year right. but even then there's enough sample size here that a 298 fit is still impressive um and this is just a, a streamer that that uh, andrew picked up and has been able to hang on to and has is still a value. So good for Andrew on that.
2: Uh Derek Johnson, man. I'm a big Derek Johnson guy. That's the Reds pitching coach. Reds
1: pitching coach. Oh, trust me, I like him too. What he does for Sonny Gray. Yep. Um, we're moving on to our final matchup of the week. Extra long podcast. Oh, mystery yeah. hitters, mystery pitchers would do that to you. Um, we've got Rum Ham, who's five, two, and two, going up against Master Chief Wahoos Adam. Uh, who's currently three five and one despite his uh, roto ranking, Ethan? Who do you have in this matchup?
3: I have uh, got Trevor in this matchup. Uh, you kind of just alluded to it. It, it. I haven't looked at Adams week by week, but it is remarkable that he's three five and one in the tougher division and last in in roto. I mean. Um, I think Trevor's just got a lot of of really exciting players. Obviously, Bellinger is back, so that's pretty swell. I know he's struggling, but he is a much smaller sample size than a lot of these guys, and he obviously has a much deeper history of being great. Um Josh Donaldson was on a, a weird tear there for a while. So you're finding it in, in a lot of different ways. Um I'm really interested to see if Luis Castillo, um, like he's had two really good starts in a row. And I'm I'm like, I still think he's great. He's objectively was fucking terrible the first six weeks of the season. <laughs> yeah. But I still think in principle that he's great. And he's had two starts in a row where he's looked like that version of himself. So obviously you've got like Walker Bueller. It's not like you're starved for top line pitching, but you bought low on him. And so for that stock to rise, I think, will also—that's, um, I guess, speaking bigger picture—but is also going to be um, really promising. So, I'm gonna—I'm gonna pick you this week. Um, I think it's going to take, a, again, some really creative moves from Adam to keep up with your the your top end pitchers.
1: Well, I'm. Also going to pick Trevor this week, although I think it's going to be closer than it looks. There's a lot of revenge games in this matchup because you guys have traded back and forth so much. So on his end, it's, it's Ian Anderson. It's JT Brubaker. It's uh, uh, Tommy Edman. you know, like maybe there are they upset about being traded. Meanwhile, on your side, it's, it's obviously Luis Castillo. um, I think Frankie Montas too. Mm Mm-hmm. And God, the Austin Meadows timing. Like Austin Meadows was not looking good. And, and from an advanced metrics perspective, there were some cause, there was some cause to worry about him. And I still think Tommy Edmonds great, but ever since Trevor got Austin Meadows, I mean he's got five homers and a triple, and he's batting a bazillion. Um, you know, I think he also snuck a steal in there somewhere. So Austin Meadows has been absolutely on fire. We'll see if he has the heart to do it to Adam this week after starting out on his team, he saw the, he's seen the, the unlikely three five and one start despite the bad Roto ranking. I don't know if he'll have the heart to, to take it to him this week. Um, But I think he will side note what's going on with Giancarlo Stanton. He's Oh, for like his last a lot and missing a lot of
2: games think he's playing i think he the groin injury or whatever yeah, it was growing i think it's worse than they wanted to lead off but then i'm uh, yeah no way that. stanton's an iron man yeah yeah <laughs> dude trust me it's like when he's healthy you're like i'm glad i got the second guy on my team And like but oh, dude, sure. it's brutal um that's why i you know i need bellinger like i can at my three best players um from like most people uh, my three best players were just god awful last week Uh, i think they hit all three of them hit under 150. stanton uh abreu hit 92 last week and bellinger so um yeah that that was a big part of why i lost to brad but this is kind of like the you know i've talked about it many times before where like you fade you know, sometimes your own guys, but this is one where like in, in daily I'll be picking a Brayu, you Stanton and Bellinger for the next like five days, even if they continue to burn me. Cause there's just no way like they can be this bad for me. Like, so I'm picking me, but it's not, it's not because I feel great about it. It's because I'm like, I have too much star power to lose, to go Oh three and one in my last four weeks that's just what i'm i'm just saying that that's just like i feel like my team is too good to go three and one these past four weeks so i just am picking pick up myself based off of that story comes back tomorrow um so i'm gonna have to make some move actually i got i got one more aisle spot i can i can move around anyways yeah i got story coming back Owlsley not getting off to a hot start but um yeah, I think I think I just like I said, I, I think I gotta get these guys clicking. I've hit under 250 for the past two matchups. So I think that something's gotta turn here. Um and the the Meadows thing, I know you didn't like his profile, but dude, he's a he's top 80% in barrel rate and top 80 percent chase rate, which not to give everything away, but those are my two biggest things that I look at for for your mainstays, you you can't really find those guys on the waiver. You can find maybe somebody that has a great barrel percentage or somebody that has a great chase rate, but you're not going to, most of these guys are rostered. Um, but Meadows is somebody that's like, to me is a stack has darling. And this was, I know it's, it's a lot of it's changed since he had that great week, but even before that, he, he was a, he's a barrel percentage, always been a hard hit guy. Um, a little bit more this year, but, the chase rate is what I like to – the K percentage is one thing, but if you're not swinging at balls, then I got to think that that's going to get better, especially if you have a great barrel percentage. So that's why I liked Austin Meadows, and it worked out. Hopefully it continues to do so. Um, the pitching, uh, yeah, I do think we're we're probably going to be close on this. So that's why I need my hitting to hit. Because um, I, I like Ian Anderson. Um, he walks to me people. He doesn't strike out the – doesn't have great stuff. Um, that's why I felt comfortable enough trading him. Um, so yeah, I, I need my pitching, um, to matches and then I just need my hitting to hit like they're supposed to. So got myself.
1: Yeah. I really like a lot of Adams pitchers this year. Um, so let's get to our mystery players. This mystery hitter is on pace to Let me do a mystery
2: guys real quick.
1: Mystery guys real quick. Yeah.
2: Baby's crying again. Um, I looked at this a little bit. The hitter is Tucker, okay, and the pitcher is um Ian Anderson. Okay, you can text me whether I'm right or wrong. <laughs> I will. Good luck
1: with the baby. So, for those listening at home, our mystery hitter is on pace to score 97 runs, hit 29 doubles, three triples, 29 homers. 97 rbis so 97 rbis and 97 runs th- to go with 13 steals and is currently he has a 339 weighted on base average ethan who's that hitter
3: i agree i think it's kyle tucker i thought for a minute maybe it was tommy Edmond, but i think he's actually stolen too many bases for the projection so i mean it's somebody who's got to run enough but they can't i it can't be a, a run dominant guy because then they'll easily be on pace to steal more than thirteen. So I might be worried Tucker runs too much, but I'll I will agree with Trevor and take Kyle Tucker.
1: All right, and our mystery pitcher, he's on pace for one hundred and fifty five innings pitched. He's on pace to go thirteen and eight with fifty walks, one hundred and seventy nine strikeouts. So he's got great strikeout numbers, but only eight quality starts. He currently has a three point seven two FIP. Ethan, who's that pitcher? So it's either
3: Ian Anderson, like Trevor said, or or Pablo Lopez. I mean, I don't think it's Cueto because Cueto's not going to strike out that many people. It's the weird dichotomy here is the 180 Ks basically, and only eight quality starts. Right. Um And so I think with that in mind, kind of like the pitching version of the Hacy Sagalar, I think I'll take Marlins pitcher, Pablo Lopez, and also kind of uh diversify from Trevor's answer since we, I'm 99% sure we're both right on the hitter.
1: So you are both right on Kyle Tucker. You are both wrong on the pitcher. The pitcher Damn we're looking at here. There's no way it's Plato. Is famed. Uh, he used to be a pitcher only. No starting pitcher, no relief pitcher. He started in the league as pitcher eligible only, which means you could only put him in the pitcher spot that we wow. have. Wow. Which is bizarre. But it's Luis Garcia, who I have loved watching for the Astros recently. Um so the big thing about his quality starts is when I had him, he I think he had zero. He had never gone more than like five and a thirds because he they wouldn't let him go past like 95 pitches. And he just I, he's got five great pitches that he uses, but he was kind of you know doing a Granky where it's it's he's trying to hit, hit his spots a little too much, um trying to try to catch the edge too often. And ever since I traded him to Adam. I think he's got two or three quality starts. Like he's really he been sitting three, in there. He
3: has three quality starts in a, in a row, and in those three starts, he's got 19 innings, given up three earned runs, which is a 1.42 ERA, and he has 21 strikeouts against four walks, which is a little shy of seven Ks per walk.
1: Yeah. So and he's three been, wins
3: and three quality starts. Pretty he fucking. Has been,
1: Absolutely phenomenal since Adam got him. So I actually think, from a projection standpoint, this isn't giving him enough credit. Right. Um, this is kind of like it's he's catching his stride,
3: extrapolating what he's done, but it does it's not projecting for the role he's in now.
1: Right. But and I I know I've said it on past podcasts. I just I think he's going to be a great asset, uh, unkeepable asset, but still a great asset for, for the sure. year for him. And yeah, and Cowell,
3: especially if Adam doesn't like what we were saying about the trade market, like if he just keeps getting the the shitty end of the stick in the tough division, then Luis Garcia is an unkeepable guy, but who's, I mean, at least recently looks awesome. He's somebody who you can move for a keeper upgrade. And, um, and so, yeah, I mean, no, even at unkeepable, he's got tremendous value.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely an asset. And Kyle Tucker just does a lot of stuff so it's painful to watch him hit sometimes but god he's got he's got some uh he's got a great swing he just he swings at a lot of bad pitches so here's hoping he uh his plate discipline improves a little bit this year and and he can be a little bit more consistent um this has been an extra long podcast yeah do you dude?
3: i loved this format of trivia i actually thought this is i don't know how it affected time-wise because I feel like predictions are always the longest part of every episode regardless of the crew on that episode but I this was a really fun version of trivia I thought
1: uh, oh it, it made us go way over Um oh, we gotta it's... be close to two and a <laughs> half hours yeah <laughs> yeah yeah no we, we've probably lost some people but you know what maybe not I doubt um, it the
3: workday's eight hours
1: yeah why not um, do you have anything to add anything, anything you're looking to trade for this week
3: um eugenio suarez is on the block if for nothing other than to karmically will him into a home run tomorrow or tomorrow being maybe today if you're listening or yesterday i don't know but text me about eugenio suarez but (laughs) i'll probably overvalue him but still text me
1: brad and levi picked you this week um i know neither of you are listening but somebody tell them
3: Yes, somebody,
1: somebody, somebody please. Up. All right, we'll see you I'll guys back next
0: week. To my 60 Chevy. Working on mysteries without any clues. Working on our night moves. Trying to make some front page driving news. Working on a night moves. In the summertime. For some high in the sky song. We were just young and restless and bored, living by the sword. And we'd steal away every chance we could. Back room to the alley or the trusty woods. I used her, she used me, but neither one cared. We were getting our share, working on our nightmare. Trying to lose an awkward teenage move Working on a night move the lightning, yeah, waited on the thunder, I waited on the thunder, I woke last night to the sound of thunder, how far off I sat and wondered, Started humming a song from 1962 And a funny how the night moves When you just don't seem to have as much to lose Strange how the night moves With autumn closing in